This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. To another episode of the Keep It Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson and their keeper pools. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me, as always, is not only one guest. So there's one guest, as always, and it's the fantasy hockey robot, Brian Com. How dare you call me a guest? I'm a co-host, co-producer, co-creator, co-executive producer, and I'm so happy to be here with all our co-listeners what everyone doesn't know yet, and I'm sure you'll... I'm in the dark. Like, usually I do so much preparation for these episodes, but I, I come on to Google Hangouts to record this episode, and there's Ben from Average Time on Ice, and there's a poll happening, and Elon's holding his phone in his hand. I, I have no idea what's about to happen. I've been given no information tonight. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is a bit of a special episode. You know, we're near the end of the season. So, you know, anyone who still needs our advice is going to their fantasy hockey finals. I feel like you don't need our regular advice because you're obviously doing very, very well. And we're going to give a lot of advice as we go throughout the episode. We thought, let's do something fun. Let's get our friends from Average Time on Ice to help plan the show with us. So before I explain more about what we're going to be doing today, let's, of course, introduce the one person from Average Time on Ice, the amazing Twitter account that's here with us today, Ben Burnett. What up, what up? Hey, Ben, thanks so much for joining us. You and Lewis and Jade have done a ton of work. So, Brian, how about I tell you? Oh, no, I'm going to keep you all in suspense for a little longer. Oh, we'll have to name this episode like the mystery show or something. So people won't, you know, so they'll still be feeling the suspense right now while they hear me talk about how great the website DauberHockey.com is because it's the best fantasy hockey website out there. We're very proud to be presented by them. If you are in your fantasy hockey finals going to next week, you need to be going every day to Dabber Hockey. Like, why risk it, right? Read the daily ramblings. Make sure you know exactly what's going on. Use the tools every day. It's the best. DauberHockey.com. We definitely need to make sure to keep the mystery alive that we uh, have a very mysterious name for this episode. Unlike past episodes like Montembo Diddley, Yes We McCann, and Enter Sanheim, which were all very descriptive titles that gave away the entire show. <laughs> okay, well, you knew who we were going to talk about in those episodes, one, at least. One person. Yeah. Okay. I would. I definitely need to jump in just to thank Elon for giving me uh, co-create, like, the same status as Brian. And uh, <laughs> I just really appreciated that. You know, like, this is a one-take kind of show where it's supposed to be like, Brian made me yell yes, like, five times before he said it was enough to keep. So I was a little lightheaded at the start, so I'm sorry I messed that up, Brian. But okay, let's get into it. Brian, do you know what month this is right now? Uh, last I checked, it was uh, the Hebrew month of Adar 2. <laughs> and do you know what the Gregorian month is? 
Uh, that would be March. That's right. It's March Madness, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what that means? That means it is bracket season. And this whole episode is going to be Brian and I going through the brackets set up by the Average Time on Ice crew. And we're going to break down all of these categories and come up with an ultimate champion in each of these brackets. Ben, why don't I let you take it from here and explain the nuts and bolts of what's going to be going on today? Certainly. So um, in the off season, uh, my partner Jade and I, like business partner Jade and I created a couple of brackets for um, just ranking what we thought players might do, like prognosticating for the season that uh, a lot of the patrons submitted and we're looking forward to the season ending so we can tabulate those results. But what we did today was we looked at uh, players that you might be interested in adding for your the last week or last two weeks of your fantasy hockey pool. And we assembled three brackets of players who are owned in roughly, you know, 30 to 50%, sometimes as low as 20 who are on a bit of a hot streak. I think our lowest owned player on one of the, on one of the brackets is a 6% owned, but basically we're going to go through three different brackets, one for forwards, one for defensemen and one for goalies, just to talk about, uh, shout out Dave Benton, who you'd want to be streaming in, in your, uh, towards the, the end of your finals. Yeah, so for each comparison, we're going to have this guy versus this guy. Brian and I, you and I will debate. If we agree, that player will move on. If we disagree, then we're going to be sending it over to the chat room who will have to break the tie if Brian and I can't agree. And we're going to end up coming up with who is the you know best forward to stream for the next couple of weeks, the best defenseman. Brian, it's the stuff you like. You know, Don't you love it so much on the podcast when you analyze a player and then I ask you, would you rather this guy or this guy? Isn't that your favorite thing? There's nothing I love more than ranking players. So, uh, So let's get to it. All right. So, Ben, where are we starting this week? So we're going to start with the forward bracket. And the way that we tiered this bracket was just by Yahoo percentage owned. Um, We didn't pick like the top 12 players that were uh, under 50% owned or whatever. We kind of picked and like we pick and choose who we thought would be good in like who people might actually want. So as opposed to somebody who's just like still owned from the start of the season, like maybe like Justin Schultz, like a lot of would be on a lot of inactive teams. So he has a higher ownership rating. Or we tried to look at people on the Leafs, right? Sure. Yeah. So we tried to look at people who would like be actively owned or he, who you would really want. And then we tiered them based on, or we ranked them rather based on their ownership percentage. Um, there are four players in each bracket that are going to receive a buy to the second round. So there are 12 total players ranked for each bracket we're going to start with the five seed versus the 12 seed in the forward bracket and that is going to be uh, michael furland who has four starts this week versus the 12 seed my uh, baby boy pavel buknevic buknevic sorry he's got four starts this way this week as well monday wednesday friday sunday uh known to stream scheme listeners as streamagami (laughs) <laughs> okay, so we're doing Furland versus Buchnevich. You what did you say, Buchnevich? Buchnevich. You're the Bukne- Rangers fan. Buchnevich. Okay, Buchnevich. Maybe it's like a TCH sound. <laughs> so okay, Buchnevich. I'll, I'll trust you. I always thought it was Buchnevich. No, we once had a Russian listener tell us that specifically it was Buchnevich. All right, I'm going to go Buchnevich, but maybe Ben is right. But okay, let's talk about Michael Furland. 
Okay, first. Oh, and by the way, everyone listening, obviously you can tell Brian and I didn't like prep this in advance. So you're going to get a little taste of what we do on the fly. Get a, get a real sense of our skills. So here's, oh, Brian, do you want to go first? Well, I'm just on NHLnames.com, one of our favorite pronunciation sources. And the announcer there calls him Pavel Buchievich. <laughs> okay. It's a silent N. Uh, so by the way, the poll is in the chat room. So maybe we won't need your results chat room, but maybe we will. So Michael Furland, let's start with him because he's the fifth seed. So he's been having a pretty good year overall but a lot of that was playing with Aho and Tara Vinen on the top line and right now Carolina's going with totally different lines first of all Jordan Stahl has been back for a little while and he's been killing it since coming back from his concussion and he's been on line two with Tara Vinen and Sveshnikov and it's of course been Justin Williams with Nino Niederreiter and Sebastian Aho on the top line leaving Michael Furland all the way down on line three with Lucas Walmark and Jordan Martinuk and actually Carolina's playing today so we don't have today's stats up yet because the games are going right now but looking at Furland like He's definitely slowed down a lot. He actually only has two assists in his last 10 games. So he's actually very much slowed down. He's still getting like decent shot numbers and hits. And oh, Ben, are we just thinking about points or should we consider more of a multi-category format here? I was thinking that we would just go with the couple default. So, you know, uh, goals, assists. There's no power play points, I guess, in couple, but... I think in general, when you're ranking these players, you're thinking you're you're you have to give preference to power play players just because that's where most production goes through anyway, and that's definitely built into cupful scoring. So okay. I, I think goals, assists, power play points, shots, hits, and blocks are kind of the the skater categories that we'd be thinking about. Okay, let's just say like we're gonna go mainly caring about points, goals, and assists. But if it's close, then we could let the peripherals sort of break the tie there. That's how I'm gonna think about it. So overall, Furland. 47 point pace on the season, 37 points in 64 games. But really, that's like a tale of two seasons. He was like super hot before, and now he is pretty cold, but still on a Carolina team playing four games next week. And they have a, uh, the other scoring goals. Like this team is good. Like, so I don't know. I kind of like Furland. Brian, you didn't like Buchnevich. Like, you did like Buchnevich at the start of the year, but then recently when we had Dave Benton on the show and Dave was saying he would prefer Buchnevich, or I think it was Nemesnikov, and you were like, wow, would anyone want Buchnevich? And Buchnevich actually had a pretty good week. Uh, so wh- wh- where's your head at right now with this matchup? So I'm into Buchnevich because he is once again playing with Mika Zabanejad, which when I was last into him at the start of the year... He was playing with Mika Zibanejad. Uh, He's played like one or two games with Zibanejad here or there since the start of the season when he played like three of his first four games with Zibanejad and then was bumped uh, off to be playing with guys like Brett Howden and Jimmy VC and Vladislav Nemesnikov and Philip Hedl, who are not all bad players necessarily, but none of them are going to drive a line and carry other players with them like me, Kazvinjeta, or at least like maybe Buchnevich doesn't even need to be carried. He just needs to play with someone who is really good at hockey, which is reasonable. Um, there was a span where Hayes, uh, uh, Buchnevich was playing with Hayes and VC, and that line uh, was not totally working for Buchnevich. There was like a brief spurts of relevance for him, but now that he's gotten three games in a row alongside Mika Zibanejad. Uh, I'm ready to buy in on Buchnevich, especially because Michael Furland is not offering you a whole lot in the meantime. Yes, what Carolina is doing is exciting, but it's mostly coming from their big guns and Jordan Stahl, who is doing the thing that he often does, which is wins uh, fantasy owners two or three matchups single-handedly over the course of the season during his one or two uh, trademark hot streaks. But there's nothing, uh, as we've gone on before, uh, about them that makes them feel terribly sustainable. However, uh, Michael Furland doesn't even have that. 
So uh, like you said, because Michael Furland is not really like he hasn't been a fantasy relevant player since, I don't know, like January. It's been a long time since he had a couple little runs here and there, but nothing to make him someone that you can't drop or somebody that you must stream. Uh, So that's why I'm going to go Buchnevich over Michael Furland in this round one of March Madness. <laughs> okay, so that would be a big upset, right? Because Buchnevich, I believe, was the 12th seed and Furland was the 5th seed. This is according to Yahoo uh, Percent Owns. And like Michael says in the chat room, like he'll take the higher floor that per- Furland offers with his peripherals. Like you're getting something from him. I know we said we want to lean offense. Buchnevich, by the way, points in three straight games. Like you said, he's playing with Mika Zibanejad. The funny thing is Zibanejad doesn't have points in three straight games. Like, Z- Zibanejad has been ice cold lately, actually. He only has four points in his last 10 games. But Buchnevich has been turning it on. And Brian, do you know the name of the other person that's lately been playing on the top? Top line with Buchnevich and Zibanejad? I do. Uh, in the most recent game, it was Brendan Lemieux. Yeah, so here Claude's, he is. Uh, it's his Claude Lemieux's son or nephew. There's some relation. That's cool. Okay, so uh, if you're in a super deep league and you're like, I wish I could have Buchnevich or Furland, maybe then take a look at Brandon Lemieux. And maybe for completion, uh, it's been Shattenkirk back on the top power play and he's got a bit of a point streak going as well. Brian, you take Buchnevich. I think I'm going to go Furland. I like, I worry about the Rangers not scoring goals. I feel like Furland seems like a solid guy that will at least give you that floor of hits. Uh, and Buchnevich, I could see him like changing lines. And especially in a league where you have limited ads, I'd be scared about adding Buchnevich. And also, I really want to check out this tie break. So, Ben, it looks like we have a tie. Can I, yeah. can I share a few more uh, a few more arguments for Buchnevich, who like at times through the season had been a really spotty shooter, but he has two or more shots on goal. This is Buchnevich in uh 15 of his last 16 games, which is not something we're used to seeing from him. So that's exciting. And not not just two or more shots in his last two games. He has five shots against Toronto, four shots against Detroit. So we're seeing him finally. I mean, he's had decent ice time, but like he saw 17 minutes uh, against Toronto, 19 minutes against Detroit the night before. So now that he's getting the ice time in the line, I'm excited. I do concur with you that just because a player is with Mika Zibanejad makes no guarantees, right? And I don't remember when Jimmy VC was playing with Zibanejad and we're like, oh yeah, Zibanejad is like, he can take anybody with him and make success. And then that didn't quite happen for anybody who picked up Jimmy VC on the tail end of his streak. And then he just tailed off entirely. So yeah, it's not a guarantee that Jimmy VC or that Pavel Buchinevich is going to produce just because he's with Zibanejad. However, um, He's he's shooting more, he's pointing more, he's playing more, he's got better line mates. And I get it uh, that if you're looking for hits, you want Furland. But we used to also say be able to say if you wanted shots, you could look to Furland. And I don't even see that to be true right now. So I am sticking by my man, Buchnevich. Brian, coming in hot. This is, by the way, everyone with no prep. Brian just did all of that off the top of his head. Uh, Brian, don't forget, we have three brackets of 12 players <laughs> each. So, you know, I don't know how much more time we want to spend on Buchnevich versus Furland. I'm going to stick with Furland. What does does the chat room say, Ben? Who's moving forward? Uh, it's Baby Booch. He's got uh, he's got 75% of the vote. He's definitely got my vote. I'm with Brian, especially if we're talking about points here. It's It seems uh, like Booch, like with that deployment, obviously he's at a risk of being moved off that top line uh, because – the Rangers are a dumpster fire, but he's been their best player offensively for the past few weeks. And I think the people, uh, the people agree with that and the people agree with Brian. So uh, baby Booch moving on. Let me just add for a quick second about, uh, about Buchnevich that he is the lowest owned player in our poll at 6%. Uh, 
Wow. So wow. he made, even though generally he would be in a, if, it was, if this was Dave Benton's stream scheme, he would be in like a whole other conversation of like bargain basement guys, but we're still knocking off the fifth seed. What an upset. I, I kind of agree. Like, I mean, I, I could see it going either way. I'm happy that the chat room broke the tie. So I don't have to uh, stick my neck up for Furland any longer in this bracket. So uh, what's our next matchup? So next up is number six V number 11. Number six is Jake DeBrusque. And number 11 is Andreas Janssen. Interesting. Um, for a little bit more context, uh, Janssen has three games, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and DeBrusque has four with the same schedule plus a game on Sunday. Uh, so the thing is with Boston is they had a big change last week, right? Because they got David Pasternak back. And so I really think that a conversation about Jake DeBrusque needs to start with what happened to the Bruins lineup with DeBrusque back. And he is now on the second line with Krejci and a guy named Carson Kuhlman, I'm seeing from the last game. Who was what? Okay. And then Danton Heinen, by the way, bumped all the way down from the top line now to play with Coyle and Chris Wagner and Pasternak, Marsha and Bergeron have been killing it ever since Pasternak came back. I think though, I did read that Marcus Johansson might be back soon. So maybe that'll be it for uh, Carson Kuhlman. <laughs> but I think uh, Jake DeBrusque will be fine. And DeBrusque has been still on the top power play. And how's he been doing lately? Definitely interested to see that. And I'm seeing Eh, okay, like actually, he was on a really awesome hot run, and then he's now pointless in his last two games. I do like Jake DeBrusque. And then you have Andreas Janssen, who's in a great spot in the lineup at even strength, right? He was playing with Matthews and Nylander. He was in a better spot before Kadri came back from his injury because Janssen was on that top power play. So, uh, but now Janssen is on the that line, but not on the top power play. And he like really let me down, actually. Like he, uh, I kept him in my lineup yesterday over Dylan Larkin and Larkin got that uh, assist in overtime and Andreas Janssen had to uh, do nothing for me in a very important matchup. Brian, we've got like a grand on the line. We need to have a big night tonight. Uh, but overall, Janssen, he's in a good spot, but I feel like you got to go. I'm going to take the higher seed here. I don't think it's going to be an upset. I want Jake DeBrusque. Brian, what do you think? I don't think it's that obvious like so if it's not Carson Coleman it's likely Charlie Coyle as DeBrusque's line mate and uh like I I will grant you that DeBrusque has had some really consistent hockey as of late um since like mid-February when he had nine points over four games he's stayed in the conversation he hasn't gone without a point in two straight games that is until the last two games he played against Florida and Boston and uh surprise surprise those were a couple games where uh, he was no longer uh, playing with such, I, I guess, I guess he never really got a huge deployment boost with, um, with Pasternak out. Elon, can you just repeat for me again? Did, uh, did the breast get like, did his power play deployment change? No, he's still on the top power play. He's been on the top power play this whole time, ever since he came back from his injury. I just feel like he's, he's had like really great stretches throughout the year. And like this Leafs team right now, it's a little bit concerning. Like they just lost to the Rangers. I know uh, Georgiev had a big part in that, but I just don't know if like Andres Janssen, even just like Buchnevich, you know, he also is someone who I'm a little more nervous about holding that deployment. If uh, you know, the Leafs fans convince finally Babcock to shake things up. Cause I know people are getting very mad at Babcock. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's not like a slam dunk for sure. It could definitely go either way. I guess a lot of these matchups are going to be the kind of thing. I'll be, it'll be fun to see how many we get right or wrong. But I just feel like if it was up to me and I had these, both of these guys in free agency. And also, didn't you say, Ben, that Boston plays uh, four times next week compared to Toronto's three? So, yeah. Yeah. So if that's the case, then definitely I'm going to let that break the tie for me and I'll take the uh, Jake DeBrusque extra game. So, so I want, I want to take the Jake DeBrusque game, uh, like extra game too. 
I'm just like it. I'm I'm really swept up by deployment, right? And I'm also looking at DeBrusque, uh, just four shots over his last four games played, which isn't great. Yeah. Uh, but Brian, actually, I have a question for you about that. Yeah. Because I was so concerned about Zach Parisi having like no shots in like three games in a row. And then I dropped him in the couple. And then he went ahead and got like four shots the next game of five shots the next game. Like, does it really matter? Like, what? Did, who cares what he did in the last four games? Like, over oh, the right. season, we've seen that he's a big, he, like, what, what he's been doing over the whole season probably is more of a predictor of what's going to happen next game than over the last four games, right? Unless there's been a change in deployment, which there doesn't seem to have been. He's playing with Krejci. He's playing on the top power play. So you're right on one hand that we're going to look at the whole season instead of the last four games with Parisi. I'm pretty sure I told you, don't worry. Like it doesn't matter what Zach Parisi did in his last three games because Zach Parisi has an entire career uh, of shooting. And especially this season, he's been lights out. Whereas Zabresk has been uh, kind of hit or miss. Like he's had these runs where he's had five, six, seven shots on goal. He's had these runs where he's had one or no shots on goal. And it's all averaged out to about two shots on goal per game. Uh, That said, for all this uh, bad talking Jake DeBresque, I am going to go with him just because even with this top line deployment, Andres Janssen has not shown himself to be a dependable point scorer, right? He's had a few runs, uh, but nothing to say that he is going to like, even like once every two games, you can't count on him. It seems like he's either hot or he's cold. And right now he's cold. So I will go ahead and take the extra game from Jake DeBrusque. We agree. Okay. So DeBrusque joins uh Buchnevich in the what is it called the great eight it's sweet 16 i know what is it for the final eight elite eight the elite eight okay let's go to brian i'm starting to get nervous that we're not going to finish all of our brackets but let's just see, let's just see how far we can go if you need to go take care of your baby at some point maybe i could just do the show with ben after 10 o'clock or whatever what do you say? first you call me a guest then you tell me to leave early not leave early i'm worried we're gonna go too long what am i your family <laughs> I don't, okay, so let's go to the uh, seven versus what was it tenth seed? Yeah, uh, so number seven is an outery player. Uh, or Elon, do you have a new word for outery? Uh, no, no, it's no don't even ask about a player who came, who got injured, and then another player who came back from injury. Yeah, that's okay. that's a thing. But no, outery's been outery forever. We coined that term. I feel like we should hope. I bet you we're not going to get credit for that. Like one day when that goes in the Oxford English Dictionary, it's going to be like credited to some other podcast that has more listeners. But we did define. We did come up with outery. I, I'm sorry, I asked. Um, <laughs> so number seven, I have uh, Nico Hishier. Um, he I don't even want to know the other seed. I, Nico Hishier. What? Yeah. I'm going wow. in. I'm going so, blind on this one. Let, Brian's, let me just give you a little bit more context, though, Brian. Nico Hishier plays on Monday, and then he has three days off. Or, sorry, he has Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. Yeah, three days off midweek. Versus Nicholas, or, uh, sorry, versus Michael Backlund, four games next week. Oh. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. I regret Brian, my decision. Brian, are you aware that Nico Hishier plays for the New Jersey Devils? Yes, I am. And I'm aware that Taylor Hall still has not returned to the New Jersey Devils. I just, I have a lot of faith in Heeshear's talent, even though um, he has two points in his last nine games. I guess, I guess that should be enough. Like, I don't know. He's just such a good player, but I know he's struggling. I know the Devils are struggling and uh, with the schedule stuff. So I guess we will have to keep some of these short. I am into Mikhail Backlund, who is that guy who is just consistently on the teams I'm against 
in fantasy. Like they stream him in in the week. He does amazing. And then uh, and then I lose that week. And then I try him out and he does nothing for me. And then the next year, it, it, that seems to be the pattern for my experience with Mikhail Backlund. And I don't want that to happen again. So I would take him before somebody else does, especially Calgary has a super sweet off day schedule. And Elon, I was talking about shots. Have you seen Mikhail Backlund's shot counts recently? I, I don't know his shot counts. I know that his point counts are off the charts. Like his line with Kachuk and Froelich. Like Michael Froelich, by the way, again, for the people in the Super Deep Leagues, if you're looking at like Brendan Lemieux, maybe also look at Michael Froelich, who's been insane. But yeah, Backlund, that line is really hot right now. And uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, so you're going to say Backlund's been taking a lot of shots. Fantastic. Yeah, 30, 31 shots in his last eight games. It's almost four shots per game, which makes him a beast in that category. If you have a shots on goal category out of nowhere, out of free agency, potentially. Yeah. Also, by the way, Michael's making an interesting point here in the chat room. He shares on a 57 point pace. Backlund's on a 53 point pace. So it's not as in, even as if it's just like a recent thing. Like overall in the season, they're not that far apart. And of course, a lot of his shares points came, I'm assuming, on either goals or uh, assisted by Taylor Hall or assists on Taylor Hall goals before Taylor Hall went down because Hall was on an uh, above a point per game pace. Uh, I did read on Roto World last week that Taylor Hall might come back before the end of the season. Like they were saying he might play in a couple of games, but I feel like if Hishir's in free agency now and I'm deciding between him and Backland, I'll take Backland and maybe swap to Hishir once that news of Taylor Hall coming back becomes official. It's like a bummer for Hishir that his second season was going so, so well and sort of fell off the rails. We should say he's been injured, right? For a while, like he just came back. He's only played one game yesterday against Arizona. No points. He did take four shots, which is great, but that's like the most shots he's taken since February 15th. He did have a lot of three-shot games in there but yeah like who's he playing on a line with i guess kyle palmieri he was injured for a bit but he came back and kenny agostino the one nice thing about the lineup being so sparse is he has been a fixture on the top power play which wasn't the case for a lot of the season early on but uh and but backland's never on the top power play i don't know this could definitely also go either way so this is going to be another one for me where just give me the extra game hopefully we're not all maybe one maybe there'll be an upset at some point where we take someone who has fewer games but especially also with the monday you know, Friday, Saturday, like that's annoying. Like I don't want to just sit on his share. So if you were going to grab him on Monday against Buffalo, I'd almost say then fine, then drop him and grab Backlund for the next few days. Then maybe grab his share back on the weekend, depending on how many ads you have. But yeah, so we're both going Backlund. I'm curious to know though, what did the uh, chat room say, Ben? Like, was it close? (laughs) Sorry, Brian, you still want to chime in. Don't forget. We got a lot to get to. Okay, I'll go quick. I just wanted, you mentioned their point paces for the season. Uh, Nico, his was on a 63 point pace with Taylor Hall in the lineup. And kept that pace up for 24 more games without Taylor Hall before the wheels totally fell off uh, about a week before the trade deadline. So like Nico Heischer has done it alone this year, just like Kyle Palmieri had been doing it at one point as well. Uh, unfortunately, it just could not sustain. And that's why uh, that's why I am going to go with Mikhail Backlund. Even if, I almost wonder, Elon, I, I guess we shouldn't, not account for schedule because it's such an important piece, but people might just be wondering if, if all things were equal um, and I would go Mikhail Backlund just because it, those shots seem so reliable right now. Yeah. And of course your famous analogy of like the bus comes a lot more often for the Calgary Flames, the New Jersey Devils, there's a lot more goals happening. So a lot more opportunities for Backlund to get it on a goal. Goals are sparse and few and far between on New Jersey. They're definitely playing a defensive game though. I guess maybe I'm basing that on, I want it was a, a torture watching the New Jersey Arizona game yesterday, just because I needed to root for Darcy Kemper. I thought it'd be a fun way to spend my afternoon. 
that was a Snoresville game. And I apologize to the Arizona New Jersey fans. It was especially annoying because then Kemper, uh, first of all, Arizona had a power play in overtime. They couldn't score. Then they had like three times in the shootout where they just need to score a goal and they would have won the shootout. The New Jersey ends up winning. Ah, frustrating. Kemper's having a great week and he like get, has no wins in the end because Arizona forgot how to score. All right. So, Ben, uh, I guess we have our last matchup before we uh, go to the great eight, the, the elite eight. <laughs> We do, and it's a, a keeping Carlson favorite at number eight is Alex Tuck versus uh, number nine JT Miller. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. First off, Ben, can you Elon asked you to say what the poll, poll results were for the last one? Can you share that? Just oh yeah, so we... that was the first. That was the first poll that was unanimous. I think it's eight nothing for Backlund. Nice. And oh. who would have seen that one coming? Like, if you have Heeshear, drop him for Backland, right? This isn't even just a question of who to yeah. stream. Anyway, oh, uh, we have Tuck versus... JT Miller. JT Miller. All right. Yeah. This is, like, to me, the guaranteed, like, whoever wins this one is not making out of the next round because I'm not into either of these guys. I don't think Brian is either. Like, so JT Miller's back on a good line. He's on the Stamkos and Palat line, so that's good because he was in the bottom six for all. He's also on the top power play. So as far as deployment goes, oh, and I guess he's hot. I don't know. It was just like a week ago. Oh, well, now, now I feel like an idiot. I should have, Brian, we should have added him in our joint league. We had the opportunity. It would have been great, but we were seeing that he had done nothing for so long, but he actually has points in four straight games. Okay, slam dunk. Take JT Miller, top lot. Oh, but Tampa plays like only Monday, Saturday next week. So that sucks. But honestly, Alex Tuck, though, <laughs> to complicate things, isn't Pacioretty injured? I believe yeah. I saw that news. Mm. Yeah, and, then- and so Tuck, uh, Tuck last game... Uh, filled in alongside Stasny. And for whatever reason, he barely had another line mate, but like, whatever, he's playing with Paul Stasny. And I guess Cody Eakin was the most common third piece. Brendan Peary and Eric Halla each saw a little time with those two also. Um, But that's a big upgrade, right? From uh, uh, Cody Eakin and uh, Tomasz Nosek, who were his line mates. So now you have Alex Tuck getting more time with better players. Like we saw him thrive in the second line uh, role before. And now he finally has another chance to get in there and do something with it. Although the one caveat is that even with the second line time, he only played uh, just, uh, just under 15 minutes in his last game, even with patch out of the lineup, which is no more. It's actually less than the time he was seeing uh, with patch in the lineup for several games. So it's a really tough one between these two guys. You've got to like Miller's deployment, but you've got to hate his two-game schedule. I think, I don't know, do we have an update on when Pacioretty's coming back? I'm looking at it now. The latest Roto World, which is Adam Hill tweeted on March 22nd. What's today? Today's March 24th. This is already two days old. Just basically Pacioretty's day-to-day, not as bad as I thought it was last night, is what Gerard Gallant said. So that was two days ago, and it wasn't as bad. So maybe already Patches will be back next week. Maybe uh, Vegas plays, like, uh, didn't we say Monday, Wednesday? Let me get this here. Yeah, I got it. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, so maybe Tuck gets bounced out. It's tough just because, like, two games from Tampa is so little. But then again, you know, uh, Brian and the Cuffle, we're doing a two-week finals. So that you have to think of not only next week, but the week after. And the following week, Tampa, p- Tampa plays four times, and Vegas plays only three times. So it's really only a one-game difference. Uh, I'm going to go F it. I'm going JT Miller. Like, yeah. I feel like, especially because there's busy days next week on, like, uh, the days maybe you will have someone on your bench on a day, anyways. How no, can you no, not- we're not playing that game. I don't think you can do that. 
That's going a step too far. You have to assume these guys are like people are going to add players who get into their lineup. Maybe uh, it's three games from JT. Like I get what you're saying, but let's assume that he's going to be in the lineup almost every game. I guess the thing is also so you guys are taking two games from JT Miller over four from Alex Tuck. Maybe that's well. I'm thinking also of the following week. So I guess if the season ends at the end of next week, then fine. I would take JT Miller. I mean, I would take Alex Tuck. But uh, that's tough. Just, I like Miller's better. But I guess the fact that Pacioretty is injured. Okay, if Pacioretty wasn't injured, it would be JT Miller in a landslide. Fine. I'm gonna. T- I'll take Alex Tuck. I'll take the the playing with Mark Stone and the four games. I guess how how can you not? But it'll be sad to see JT Miller. Also, also Tampa Bay by the way next week plays Boston and Washington. So they're gonna go up against Tuka Rask, who's hot, and then against Braden Holtby, who's good. So I feel like yeah, I I changed my mind. I'm going Tuck. So Brian, are we going to a tiebreaker or are you gonna switch also? No, I'm. Oh, I'm going tuck. I, you just want to go tuck for purposes of time, huh? No, I, I, I'm gonna... <laughs> no, that's who I want. Miller playing with Samkos and Palad is very tempting, and I, it does sound like Pacioretty is going to be back. the 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 thing they both have in common is that they've each had good run, like runs of good deployment and awful production, and then they come alive for a few games and then go away. And, and I'm saying that about a lot of players on this episode so far. And that's why they're streamers, right? That's why these guys are available to you. Um, I am going to join you, Elon, in the extra two games from Alex Tuck, but like, it's going to be paper thin, like closer than it should be between a guy playing twice and a guy playing four times. Yeah. So, okay, let's do that. What did the chat, what did the uh, poll say, Ben? It was unanimously Tuck. Okay, yeah, how, how can you not for two games? But I, I just wanted to give JT Miller some credit for being on a hot streak and being on the top line, top power play. Don't forget that. And if your league does go into the finals and JT Miller's still available, come next Monday, grab him then. Uh, Brian, uh, yeah. okay, we got to move on. Let's go to no, the no, next. Into he, the Elite Eight okay. now. He has a really great and, schedule, uh, by the so way. This... If you add him on the Saturday, uh, he plays Monday, Tuesday, this is JT Miller, and then Thursday. So you get a lot of games in a row if you add him at the right time. Yeah, keep him in mind. All right, Ben, we're ready. <laughs> All right, so Elite Eight, we're going to have four new players who are coming off a first-round bye. And the first matchup that we have is the 12 seed, Buknevich. I, I can't even say it now, Elon. You're in my head about his name. Uh, oh, usually I just B. call him Baby Booch. Um, so number 12, Baby Booch, versus number four, David Krejci, who has a four-game schedule Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. As well, Buknevich has the same, except for he – plays on the Sunday instead of Saturday. So he has the slight advantage at uh, in uh, schedule. So sorry, one second. You're saying the fourth Who, seed. Who's the fourth seed? David Krejci. Wouldn't the 12th seed play against the first seed? Should That's not how brackets seed? work, bro. They don't reseed. Oh, damn. Okay, I'll trust your, I'll trust your judgment here. And did Krejci win around? Crate? No, there was a first round bye, Brian. Weren't you paying attention? <laughs> yeah, I remember now. <laughs> I'm just doing it. Those for the listeners. Okay. So, uh, Buchnevich versus David Krejci. Give me David Krejci. I, I don't even need to. Like, okay, fine. Let's check and see what. <laughs> let's check and see what. I know Buchnevich has a good schedule. I, we like that he's on the top line. I was almost going to go Furland. So, I, like, I did vote Furland, right? It was just a tiebreaker in the end. But uh, at this point, like, David Krejci's just been so solid all season long. I know, like, he's on the second line. I know he's not on the top power play. But the dude's got 64 points in 75 games. So that is a 70-point pace. Uh, like, And I know Brian will say, yeah, but he only has, like, whatever, one point in his last three games. But you go before that, he was on a hot run. I don't know. Like, to me, like, you're overthinking it if you take Buchnevich over David Krejci. I, I am H.O. Agreed. You have to go all the way back uh 
to January 31st. So this is coming right out of the all-star break uh, to find uh, when David Krejci last went more than one game without a point. Uh, Since then, uh, so for like almost two months now, David Krejci, oh, sorry. No, he did it at the end of February and then March 2nd. But he rarely goes more than one game without a point over the last two months. And that is why you want him. Uh, His deployment is good enough. And he is good enough to keep the points coming. He's on a 70-point pace this season, 64 points in 75 games. I've owned him a couple times in uh, on my Cupful team, and I felt terrible dropping him into free agency uh, the last time I did because I knew I'd never get a crack at him again. And uh, that's exactly what happened. This has been a fantastic season for Krejci. 16 power play points, which is uh, his highest power play point total in three years, although he probably would have come close last year had he played as many games. Uh, and that's why I like him over Pavel Buchnevich, who does run the risk of being shuffled off that top line. I feel like the Rangers are in this like assessment phase of their season where they're trying to figure out uh, who is going to you know, be uh, in the plans going forward and what works with what. So that come September, October, they have some basis on which to make decisions uh, better than just preseason games. So I wouldn't be surprised, as we already mentioned, if Buchnevich does get cycled off eventually. And at that point, you will absolutely, no doubt, want David Krejci, who very deservedly had that first round bye we all knew about. Okay, yes. So I'm assuming that the chat room agrees. This would be a, a, like good job for Buchnevich getting out of round one, but you're not you're not going to the final four. No, no chance, right? Uh, that's right. So it's a that's a unanimous. Uh, we're moving on to the next matchup. Actually, do you mind, uh, Ben, if we take a quick second before we go to the next matchup? Not and- at all. Sorry about this, but I really want to take just one quick second to thank a sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek. You know, buying tickets online, it's not always so great. You know, you got all these different places, varying levels of reliability. Like, what's a guy to do? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can go to SeatGeek because they are a reliable place. They've got hundreds of places where they pull tickets into okay no they pull millions of tickets into one place i said hundreds what an idiot they pull millions of tickets into one place you can easily find the seats you want for the price you're willing to pay there's nothing quite like being there in person especially now right you've got these really important regular season games like right now ben you live near calgary right you could go see i i already know the answer so i'm just gonna keep going <laughs> he lives near calgary like the flames you know they've probably like clinched a playoff spot or if they, if they haven't then they will any day now but they're in a really tough battle because top of that division is gonna make a big difference otherwise they're gonna have to play like vegas in the first round and that'll be really tough so those are gonna be some really exciting games over in the saddle dome is it still called the saddle dome is that uh or is that yeah i think so yeah oh the scotia bank saddle dome now and actually one uh thing that I'd like to do right now. So anyways, how, how I said enough about SeatGeek, it's a great place. You go, you could get this app also to browse around and see what else is going on. Like, in fact, I could take out my SeatGeek app right now, which is something I like to do. Let's say I was going to Calgary. I want to hang out with Ben. I want to just think fun with him. Ben, how about I throw to you two different options of things we could do and we'll go to the more expensive one. So what do you think is more expensive as an activity to do in Calgary this coming week? So we could either go see the Ducks at the Flames at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, or I haven't heard of any of these uh, people, or we can go see Mark Rebelet at the <laughs> Hi-Fi Club. What? I don't know. I, um, I, there are all these artists, and I didn't recognize any of them. Yeah, I'm going to guess that it's a very comparable price and that the ducks are like 2 or $3 more expensive. 
Wait, are you saying this knowing who Mark Rebelet is? No, but I know what the High Fi Club is. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's just a bar. So, okay, <laughs> get ready for this. Mark Rebelet is going to set you back $257. Jesus. But we could go see the Ducks and Flames for just $36. <laughs> Maybe I don't know what the Hi Fi Club is. <laughs> this is the seat. This is the basement of the Hi Fi Club or something. <laughs> All right. It's the so, secret um, speakeasy below. And let's say we don't even want to spend $36. Let's say we want to only spend $26. Can't we even do that, Brian? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, because you listen to Keeping Carlson, you absolutely can save $10 off your first SeaGeek purchase. All you need to do is download the app or head to the website. And before you make your first purchase, enter the promo code KEEPING for $10 off your very first ticket purchase on SeatGeek. SeatGeek, life's an event. They've got the tickets. Okay, thank you very much for that, Ben. So the final matchup of the Elite Eight, I believe. No, we got a few. No, it's the second matchup, I yes. think, of the Elite Eight. Oh, my Eight. gosh. We got lots to go. Um, I just wanted you guys to know that Mark Rebelet is also known as the Loop Daddy. Um, <laughs> and I think that's really important context to add. Uh, <laughs> our next matchup is uh, number six, Jake DeBrusque, who beat out Andreas Janssen, going up against a different type of Janssen, Tyler Johnson, <laughs> number three seed. <laughs> Uh, however, you guys will remember that the Lightning have a very bad schedule next week. So he's in tough in this matchup. Yeah. Also, Tyler Johnson is on like, okay. So first of all, the pros for Tyler Johnson is he's on a line with Nikita Kucherov, which is like, I think Kucherov's already passed 120 points. He's breaking records left and right right now with the points he's putting up. It's like the most points since I think 2005 I saw recently. Still going up. So like 10 games to go. Oh, he's also on a line with a guy named Braden Point, who I believe just scored his 40th goal. So Tyler Johnson is that his bus is coming by like every, every second there's, there's goals being scored. He's not on the top power play though. And the thing with Tyler Johnson is I had him last week. I think I even said on the podcast, like anyone in any league of any size go and grab tyler johnson for his sweet monday wednesday thursday saturday schedule and he rewarded the listeners with like one goal he, he scored on i think thursday and that was it he did nothing against arizona on monday not, like nothing against washington on wednesday he scored against carolina so even on this good line and even though Braden point and nikita kucherov have been just fine though i think point also went pointless in two games so that was a bit of a bummer but yeah i just don't think johnson is super reliable plus the bad schedule plus i think i like jake debrusque as a more reliable option anyways to me this is an easy one uh yeah just give me jake debrusque huh I feel like it's not so easy to not take the player playing with uh, this year's like runaway Art Ross winner and another guy who could be a, hypothetically a future Art Ross winner from talking about Point and Kucherov. Uh, I know Tyler Johnson was not a rewarding choice this week. However, uh, it's not like he's done nothing right like he had one point in his last four games that's not great um but going into that he was on a nice little run and a lot of that was tied to his time with point and kucherov so i huh i guess debrusque is getting those extra games like this is like a tuck miller situation um but even worse like debrusque i'd rather have debrusque than alex tuck so i feel like it's even more of a but i guess maybe i yeah, prefer tyler johnson I, than jt miller but jt yeah. miller's on the top power play tyler johnson isn't like jt miller's yeah. getting some power play points okay i'm gonna join you to make this an upset i'm gonna go jake debrusque over tyler johnson up until saturday at which point add jt miller add Tyler Johnson, get three games and four nights from these Tampa guys. Okay, so that's a good point. So for now, we're saying grab DeBrusque, but keep these Tampa guys on your watch list 
and get ready to stream them in. Well, I mean, it depends. Again, if your league ends at the end of this week and you're already full on Saturday, then don't drop someone to add a Tampa guy. Add like a Sunday guy instead. But if your league goes all the way to the end of the season, then of course, yes, then you want to grab Tampa. I will also say that that Jonathan has been playing like a lot of time with Braden Point or like he has been with Braden Point or Nikud- or Nikita Kucherov almost the entire season and like has had several cold stretches doing it. Like you'd think if you're a quality player, who a former uh, 72 point player playing with those guys, uh, that would be a slam dunk to be playing with even just one of them. Uh, but Tyler Johnson is on a 50 point pace this year and that's what you can expect. Like, remember that this deployment isn't a new thing. It's hard to look past because, you know, any given night, there's going to be a goal scored while he's on the ice. It's just going to be a matter of if he gets to be a part of it. Uh, unfortunately, he has not been uh, a part of a whole lot of the goals scored while he's on the ice this year. His IPP is just above 50%, whereas the last couple years it's been, uh, for most of his career, it's between been between 60 and 70%. So that's one of the reasons he's not cashing in, or uh, not one of the reasons, it's one of the illustrations of the ways in which he's not cashing in on these great line mates he's got to play with. So uh, I think a lot of people who were listening to our show recently were like, oh yeah, he is playing with Point and Kucherov. I better go grab him. Uh, just remember that's been the story for a lot of the year and he has not made a whole lot of it. Yeah, I feel like last week it made so much sense just because there was such a dense Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule. So if you were able to get Taijo for Monday, Wednesday, it seemed like a no-brainer. Then he did nothing. But okay, so we're moving DeBrusque, the miracle run of Jake DeBrusque. Two upsets in a row. Oh, no, I guess he didn't have an upset in the first time. Okay, so this is an upset. And uh, let's go to our next matchup. All right, so moving on, we have uh, number 10 seed Mikhail Backlund, who Brian was immediately dismissing out of hand for his favorite boy, Nico Hishier, before relenting. And he's go- with his four-game schedule of Streamagami, he's going up against the impeccably cold Jonathan Drouin uh, with three games next week. Yeah, this one to me is the easy, very easy for me. So Jonathan Drew and I was going to bring up this week if we had done a regular episode. Not only is he ice cold, I believe he finally did score a goal uh, yesterday. And uh, my friend, my Habs friend, friend Michael was like, it's a miracle. Oh, no, it wasn't even yesterday. It was like two games. He scored against the Islanders, I guess, on Thursday or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, they're playing. Habs are playing today against Carolina. So who knows if he, Druin will do something before that. But like, Druin's just been so bad lately. Before that one goal, one assist game against the Islanders, he had a, I can't even count this many off the top. Like, it looks like eight or nine games. Nine game pointless streak. He was minus seven and only 14 shots. Plus, like, there's a reason for it. He's not in the top six anymore. Like, what happened to this guy? Uh, so right now, the top line, when, when I look at the lineup, I'm seeing the top line has been, like, Gallagher, who's been insane. And I think, has he broken 40 goals yet? If not, he's going to do it very soon. Gallagher, Deneau, and Thomas Tatar has been the top line. And then I'm. it's got to be, like, Domi, Lekin, and Andrew Shaw as the second line. I don't know. Or maybe, I don't know, middle middle six. Uh, Druin with Kotkaniemi and Armia. But, like, we're not seeing good line mates for Druin. And I just don't see a reason why you would want to not take the red hot Mikhail Backlund over like a third line cold streak, Jonathan Druin, who's been like a huge disappointment in the second half of the season. I think this one's easy. I will also easily agree with you. I would even take Nico Hishier over Jonathan Duran if he was still alive in this bracket. Uh, a reason to not like Jonathan Duran at all is what you said, Elon, that he's not in the top six. And just to drive home that point, uh, his last three games, he's seen 12 minutes, 12 minutes, and 11 minutes of time on ice. And you can see his deployment started uh, like faltering 
in February. And then really since the calendar turned to March, he's uh, been looking more like a middle six guy at best than a top six player. Um, so that is why I am 100% for Mikhail Backlund. Jonathan Duran has just done not enough for too long. Um, and Elon, you mentioned Brendan Gallagher. Uh, he's at, he's up to 33 goals. I don't right. think he's going to get to 40 this year. He's uh, on pace for about 36. Um, it's crazy though. Like this is a, a career high in goals for him. And yet he's not like, he's only on pace for 55 points. Last year he had 54 points with a couple fewer goals. A couple years before that he had, uh, he had a 62 point pace. Um, and a big reason for that. Well, a big reason for that is line mates. Like his on his team's on ice shooting percentage isn't even bad when he's on the ice. It's just the the there have been fewer goals scored while he's on the ice and uh, not a lot happening on that power play. Brandon Gallagher has just seven power play points this year. Compare that to seventeen power play points last year. So if his power play production had been able to keep up. Uh, no problem. He'd be setting a career high in points. Unfortunately, a career high in goals for, for him this year is tempered by uh, just 18 assists, which would be the lowest total of his career uh, since his rookie season. Yeah, Gallagher, I I think he's going to be a good sneaky guy to grab for next season. Like, if you take a look lately, I'm looking at his quarterlies right now. He had a really bad second quarter of the season, only 10 points at 22 games. But he had 16 points in 20 games in third quarter, and I'm seeing 11 points in 14. Like, he's pacing at, like, close to a 65-70 point pace over the second half of this season. He just had that one bad quarter, which brings him down to, like, a 55-point pace. But going into next year, I feel like Brendan Gallagher is starting to get deployed as, like, the best player on this team. And uh, yeah, I think he'd be a guy I'd love to get in drafts late next year if I can. If people are only looking at him as a 55-point guy. He's been awesome. But Druin, not so much. I don't know what's going on with this guy. Like He was supposed to be a future superstar in the league. And if he can't even make it to the top six on the Montreal Canadiens, then we have big problems with Jonathan Druin. And no, no shade at the Montreal Canadiens, who are fighting for their playoff lives today. And uh, Columbus will play later. And there's going to be two big games to see who's going to make the playoffs. But yeah, like just drew in like what? What happened to this guy? We don't have time. So he's gone. And Mikhail Backlund, we've already discussed. So there we go. So we have one more player that we that got to buy into this round. Yeah, so this is the Alex Tuck matchup for the Elite Eight, and uh, he's going up against our number one seed, Travis Konechny. Um, So Konechny plays his first game this week is actually on Wednesday, but he plays Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. And then Tuck has the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday schedule. Okay, I guess before we talk about Konechny, Brian, you were right. I was wrong. I don't even think you said this on the show. You just messaged me about it. But, like, uh, sorry if anyone, like, grabbed Travis Sanheim for last week. That did not go, like, especially well. Uh, (laughs) Or at all well. I mean, he's been playing, like, 26, 22, 22, 23 minutes a night. Like, he's getting huge minutes. He's on the top pairing. Philly has not been scoring a lot of goals. Philly lost 3-1 to to Washington today. Like, Philly had a nice stretch where they were scoring some goals. And uh, that's ended. And we don't need to go, I don't know, we could go into that for Travis Konechny, but yeah, so Travis Sanheim, a huge bust, obviously drop him now, and uh, I'm assuming you did beforehand, and you were like swearing at me as you did it. As far as Travis Konechny goes, he's on a terrible line. Oh, that's that's maybe a harsh thing to say, but like he's playing with Scott Lawton and Ryan Hartman on the third line. Ugh. He was with Giroux for most of the year, but Giroux's been playing with uh, JVR and Couturier, and then we've got Voracek with Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom. I prefer all of these guys over Travis Konechny. Konechny also plays on the second power play. Uh, you take a look at what Konechny's doing lately. It's nothing. Uh, oh, wait, no, that's Travis Sanheim. <laughs> Sorry, let me see what Konechny's doing lately. They both started with T, so I just thought that I was like, oh, they're both Travises. 
But uh, so Travis Konechny, uh also nothing. Like nothing in his last four games. He had a bit of a run before that, but I don't have any faith in him. And give me Alex Tuck, especially while Pacioretty's injured. I think that one is a slam dunk. Give me AT. Yeah, there's really no reason to like Travis Konechny. He hadn't produced with good deployment this season, which we thought he could do. Uh, He played a big chunk with Couturier and Giroux, and then he played a big chunk with Van Riemsdyk and Giroux and was only spottily relevant through those times. And now, uh, like you said, Elon, playing with a laugh of a line uh, featuring Scott Lawton and Ryan Hartman, not somebody you want to have on your roster because if he wasn't producing before, uh, there's no indication that he should produce now. However, I still like, I'm just going to put out there. He just turned 22 a couple weeks ago. Happy belated birthday, Travis Konechny. I still think we've got big things ahead yeah. from Konechny. Like his deployment is down right now. That stinks. But especially as uh, you have Voracek and Giroux getting ever older and someone is going to need to take the reins on these on this Philly team, I think Konechny is a prime candidate to really break out uh, within two years. I, I think next year, should he get... It's hard to say if he gets the deployment, because this year he couldn't have asked for more, although he's still, even, even having two elite line mates, only played about 15 minutes per game, which is essentially what he played last season too, um, and still not getting any significant power play time. But I think once that power play time comes and once those top six minutes really get reinforced with whoever he's playing with, he's going to really show up and be somebody who's not being streamed in and out of lineups all year. Someone you have to draft and hold on to, which I thought he was this year. I held him for like three months to start the season. That was a waste. Uh, He deserves to stay in free agency. That's harsh, right? He he was okay. Like he got, I guess, ten points in twenty games to start the year. Then he had a a little bit better after that for the next uh, forty or so games. He had twenty seven points in his next forty games. He wasn't terrible. Uh, I feel like it's just all a matter of deployment. Like he's got to be in the top six. Like you'd assume one day Nolan Patrick is going to earn his second overall pick spot. Travis Konechny is also a former first rounder, so I think it makes a lot a lot of sense to still like Travis Konechny. And if you could grab him like in the last round of your drafts next year, then who knows? Like it's probably worth the risk. But for next week. First round. Sorry, did I say? I said if you get him the last round of the oh, draft. Okay. Yeah, probably I would take maybe like a Connor McDavid or a Kucherov over Travis connecting next year in the first round. <laughs> um, so yeah, who are and who's passing him? In, who's who's moving on in the bracket because we don't like him? Alex Tuck, because we like him. Man, I can't believe Alex Tuck is Alex Tuck is uh, has really squeaked into the final four at this point. Hey, like, he's got we a good- barely liked him in the first bit and if if Pacioretty's back man I I like uh, whoever's against him in the final four I like their odds have we even mentioned like what Alex Tuck has done lately like did he get any points recently I don't think we even looked it up so we'll talk about it we'll talk about him when we talk about him next in the next matchup so Ben we're down to the final four super exciting I guess you'll let us know by the way since Brian and I have been agreeing a lot lately so we haven't been able to go to the chat room to break the tie you'll let us know if the chat room disagrees with us right I think what's going on right now is that a lot of the uh, there was a lot of uh, upsets by this the uh, seeding, but it was all common sense. Kind of like the players that we kept that we kind of pushed up that have lower ownership. The reason why we put them in is for strategic purposes, right? Because they are hot or because they have a good schedule, and so like that's kind of come out in the voting as, as well. The voting has all been pretty much agreeing with you guys uh, to this point. Um, but since we're talking about Alex Tuck, why don't we just get to him in the semifinal matchup versus the number four seed, David Krejci. Uh, and these guys both have four 
uh, four, four games on the schedule next week. Tuck has the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Krejci is Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so yeah, I think this is the end of the line for Alex Tuck. I think Brian's going to agree. So Tuck, by the way, no points in his last three games. He, uh, but, uh, Pat, Pat Shreddy just got injured recently. Like Tuck was so good. Let's like give Tuck credit, right? Like he had a stretch. He was like a point per game guy, I believe for the, like when he, he started the year injured and then he came in and there was the stretch. So I'm seeing 12 points in his first 13 games and then 21 points in his next 24 games. I'm looking at the quarterlies over on frozen pools, the Dauber Alex, pool for his player yeah. profile. Let so me he, summarize that. Alex Tuck was like a near point per game player through his first 45 or so. Yeah, and like so clearly he's talented. Also, like really young, just like connecting, only twenty two years old. I think we've got a bright future ahead for Alex Tuck. It's just what are you going to do from the bottom six on a, a stacked team like the Vegas Golden Knights? But now, as long as he's not in the bottom six, he's a great stream. But I don't know. I think that David Krejci was almost like unfair for him to be in this tournament because he's just been so reliable all season long. How? Come on, he's got four games next week. Gotta go Krejci, and I'll be very surprised if maybe like Jake DeBrusque versus Krejci is always a fun conversation if we're gonna get there, just because DeBrusque gets the top power play and Krejci's like on the same line but not on the top power play. So by the argument of deployment, you'd think why not just take uh, DeBrusque? Except the thing is, David Krejci is the one who's been consistently getting points. But of course, we're not even at that debate yet. But I think uh, (laughs) Krejci over Alex Tuck is easy. You're already there. I also I, I also feel like this is an unfair fight. Although Tyler Johnson was the other player who got a buy and he was dispatched reasonably easily in our bracket. But David Krejci, there's really there's really nothing not to like. He shouldn't be streamable. So I feel like that's unfair. Ben, what makes him stream? Like, how did he qualify for this bracket? What's Krejci's percentage owned? Yeah, he um he's forty five percent owned, so That's it was just crazy. within our within our scope of twenty to fifty percent was mostly what we're looking at. Well, Brian, if you remember from our iTunes feedback, you know, like we <laughs> we are not in shallow leagues. We don't know what it like to you and I. It's like seems crazy that he's only forty five percent owned, but some people are in leagues where you got all David Krejci's out there. Elon, I've got some good news for you. What's that? That review no longer exists. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so you did it. You we shaved. Sh- uh, we're, I don't know if we should thank the person like by their iTunes name or if that just uh, embarrasses them further. But oh. let me do. Let me. Can I say we have like the the most fantastic listeners because since uh, you shared about your bruised ego from that, it was totally unfair and unreasonable. Of course, the review. But uh, PJ. Uh, aka medal of connor five-star review tristan over in vancouver five-star review uh pat ducks uh named his review after sinead o'connor song uh, or prince i guess if you really want to get the get down to it and jeeves nhl so four five-star reviews elon that's 20 stars and if you uh subtract like we gained one sort of with the law addition by subtraction so thank you uh thank you to our elon can sleep tonight Wow, you know, I'm overwhelmed right now. <laughs> you know, and uh, I will say it takes a it takes a big person to uh, change their mind if they have been convinced otherwise. So thank you very much. Uh, let's is, get let's. This let's is move. like a game for Elon. If you ever want to like get his attention, go ahead and well, no, don't Shh. no. Uh, he he's on this other podcast occasionally called the Reality Check. Give them the one star no, review. No, that's so mean, to get Elon's attention. But this no. <laughs> 
They'll be so mad at me. Could you imagine if I'm sending one star reviews to the reality check? And I'm like, what the hell? And by the way, the host of the reality check, producer Pat, he made our outro music for the podcast and he made our amazing uh, almanac intro music that boom, boo, do, 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 boo, 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 boo. It was so good. So uh, yeah, let's uh, send only love to the reality check. What, what are we doing? Are we doing a bracket here? Is this March Madness? So where, where are we, Ben? Sorry, I was just finishing my one-star review for your old podcast, Elon. Uh, so, so our other semifinal matchup is number six, Jakey D. Brusque, and the D is for doing very well in this bracket, versus number 10, Mikhail Backlund, who broke my heart by not getting more points when Sean Monahan got hurt in my Cupful playoff matchup last week. Uh, and both of them – what's that, sorry? Who was that Cupful matchup against again? I forgot. Uh, versus the player that you are currently dismantling in the semifinals, I think. <laughs> oh, right. Wait, what? I thought I played you. Oh, no. I played you in the regular season. Okay, I forgot all about that. Sorry. Wow. Yep. Good content. Yep. This is bad content. <laughs> By the way, uh, I will say for the Cupful Tier 2 Ottawa Division, uh, the team that destroyed all season long, Paul's team, Don't Hassle the Hoff, gotta give them a shout out. They like uh, were number two, I think, in overall Cupful points over all 16 divisions, being beaten. This he's going out in the semis to Jesse's team. So uh crazy. Congratulations, Jesse and Paul. Like, you know, uh, you know, congratulations to you on an amazing season that just goes to show playoffs can be a cruel, cruel mistress. It looks like it'll be me versus Jesse in the finals, and I'm very excited to face off against the Capybaras. So Jake DeBrusque versus who? Sorry. Versus uh Mikhail Backland, who was oh. the player I was talking about when uh uh who did not perform against Ryan's team, even when I went to go see him live. Uh, against my terrible Rangers. So rude. I don't I know. know. This is a tough one. So Boston. You know, you know who's ahead. also sucked lately? Who? Um, when, because um, Ben, you just mentioned Backland and how he didn't produce. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau has also been garbage in these playoffs. In fact, like over, he had that six point night. And I know it's not fair to say, well, aside from that six-point night, but I'm going to say it. Uh, that was against New Jersey. Outside of that six-point night, Goudreau has two points in his last eight games. And, like, you can go back further, and, like, it's better, but it's still not what you would expect to see from Johnny Goudreau. And I know that shouldn't necessarily affect Mikhail Backlund's performance because they don't play on the same line or the same power play. Um but I mean, Elon, again, to make that like the bus has not been coming quite as often in Calgary lately, or at least it seems that way for these guys. So I was trying to see what their goals scored totals were like. And there was a stretch where the Flames um, were not scoring a whole lot over the course of uh, eight games. They had just 14 goals Um and then they blew up against Vegas and then that Devils game where Goudreau got six points. Um, but they've been back on track. Lately, so even though Backland um, might not have have worked out for you, Ben, when you were watching him in person, uh, I still consider him pretty dependable. Well, so, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting, Brian. So like Calgary, uh, like Backland has been fine. The reason why they've scored so many goals is because of that Backland line scoring yeah. all of that. Because you're saying Johnny Gaudreau. Obviously, we're not going to suggest for anyone to drop Gaudreau. You're holding on to him and hoping that he just bounces back. Uh, what about like an Elias Lindholm, though, who is still above a point per game on the season? He's at 77 points in 75 games. Lindholm pointless in three games now. And yeah, aside from that Devils game, I'm seeing only one assist in his last 11 games. So when Gaudreau goes cold, so does Elias Lindholm. So that is definitely a concerning 
interesting person to hold. And Lindholm maybe is someone you could consider dropping going into your finals, but probably not next week, especially with Calgary having the stream gummy Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or what is it? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday schedule. Anyway, what's what's a stream gum? Is that like stream plus oh, origami? Bri- yeah, Brian, man, the the stream scheme is a podcast hosted by our friends, our friend named Dave Betton, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with you. And a stream gummy is this magical thing that happens every once in a while on the fantasy schedule where you play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Mwah! That that was my Dave impression there. But so, why is it stream gummy? Look. Okay, why are, why is it, these are all just words like you know why is the, the sky world... blue? Yeah, it's that's I think it's it related to scoragami. The uh, this is my guess. Dave, I think might be in the chat room, but scoragami is a term used for when a football game ends in a final score that has never been recorded by the NFL before. Ooh, that's cool. So it's a unique. I think it's meant to relate to like a unique outcome. Here would be a fun trivia question. What's the, when's the last time the NHL has had a scoragami game? where there's an NHL game with a score that has never happened before. That must be like sometime in the sex 60s or 50s. Like, I feel like we've done, we've seen it all by now. Uh, okay, so what are we doing here? Backlund versus Jake DeBrusque. I think it's really close. I, I, let me take a look now. We, they're both playing four games. Let's take a look at who these guys are playing. Calgary goes against Los Angeles. Not a good team, right? Dallas, uh, Ben Bishop's been great. So I guess yeah, that's, a, that's a tough matchup. Uh, Anaheim, not a great team. And then at San Jose on Sunday, who's like a good team, but of course San Jose they have good defense, but Martin Jones is is shaky. Uh, okay, and then we're going against Boston, who plays Tampa, the Rangers, Florida, Detroit. So I guess Rangers, Florida, Detroit should be easy-ish games to score goals. Though I guess it wasn't so easy for the Leafs to score against the Rangers yesterday. Uh, so anyway, so they seem like pretty similar strength of schedule. So that's not helping me break the tie. Oh, man. My gut tells me to go with Jake DeBrusque. I just feel like Mikel Backlund is, like, super hot and cold. I know, like, DeBrusque is also, so this really, to me, is kind of like a coin flip. But I feel like any time Backlund goes hot and then I add him, he goes cold. And I feel like right now, if anyone's going to add Mikel Backlund, now it's going to go back to Calgary having the top line with Goudreau and Elias Lindholm getting, and Monaghan getting points. And then that second line maybe going cold for a bit. So, I don't know. This is tough for me, but I, I'm going Boston. I'm really curious to see what the chat room is going to pick for this one and also what Brian's going to pick. Well, I agree. Like this is that's exactly what I said. Or I agree with the point that you said. Whenever you add Backlund, he doesn't do anything for you. Like I, I feel like we are both starting to take this a little too personally. Yeah, this is really close. And like you said, schedule can't decide it. I think I am actually going to go with Backlund. Uh, just going back to those shot counts. If he's not doing anything for me, at least he's putting shots on net, which uh, has, like I said, not been true of DeBrusque lately. Three out of his last six. He's put no shots on goal. The other three games, he had two shots on goal, which is okay, but it's not much. So, uh, so yeah, put me down for Backlund. Uh, I disagree with you. Um, I know Backlund's line has been carrying the Flames to some extent, and that's not going to continue. Like, at some point, you figure uh, Goudreau and Monaghan are going to get the – and Lindholm are going to score. team's going to get the lead, and Backlund's line – you know, we'll be tasked with also producing more offense, but we'll still be asked to be uh, very defensively responsible. Uh, Both these guys, like there's really not much to choose from between DeBrusque and Backlund. They're both uh, on point paces. uh, Well, Backlund's on a 53-point pace. DeBrusque is on a 47-point pace. Uh, DeBrusque has played 10 fewer games. Not that it affects point pace, but if you're looking at the rote point totals at all, it might change your perception. 
But yeah, I'm not going to change my mind. I can keep thinking about this, and we've talked about both guys a lot. Uh, I am going to take Mikhail Backlund over Jake DeBrusque. All right, so then it's going to go to the chat room to decide who the winner is. Ben, who's going forward? It's Mikhail Backlund with 60% of the vote. Um, so the fans agree with Brian. Oh, man. I'm losing all the tiebreakers, but that's okay. Which gives us a uh, – so that gives us Krejci versus Backlund in the finals. Okay. Well, I'm going Krejci. Me I too. Think- Okay, well, so, okay, anticlimactic <laughs> at the end. David Krejci, you are the winner of the 30 to 50% generally st- bracket for streams for next week in your fantasy leagues. Woo, David Krejci! Wow, crazy. March Madness champ, 2018. For forwards. Yes. Okay, let me How do you want to proceed, Elon? Let's listen to the song for a bit, right? <laughs> well, wait, I, wait. I have a song, oh, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, do you want to play your song? Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Where is it? No, no, I'm not ready. All right. Sorry. So, Brian, uh, so David Krejci, we're telling people, go grab him. Yeah, if he's available, he's a good player. How about I throw, while Ben is looking for his song, can I just throw out some other? No, don't worry about it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Can I just throw out some other forwards, maybe, before we move on to the defensemen that people could maybe think about, just because there might not be another chance to do it? It's going to be like a total lightning round. Like, Brian, I'm going to say like 10 players' names, and then afterwards you could just sort of comment if you feel like it, okay? Better or worse than Krejci? No, just not <laughs> mostly worse than Krejci. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna say some players who are on hot streaks. There's yeah. a guy named Taro Heroes on Detroit who's Hirose. Hirose. He's got points in three straight games. He's like a brand new NHLer. I don't know anything about him. But he's playing with Athanasiu, who's also super hot. So I would take Athanasiu above Hirose. But if you want a Detroit player, and Detroit does play four times next week, that second line is doing stuff. Uh, Jared McCann scored a couple goals for Pittsburgh, and also Brian Rust is back playing with Crosby. So those are some Pittsburgh guys to maybe think about. Brian, uh, Brady Kachuk on the Sens, doing really well. Can't ignore Brady Kachuk, right? He is on fire. Like, if you are against Brady Kachuk in any of your fantasy matchups, you know it well. Uh, He has just been tearing it up. He had, like, a couple games where he did nothing. But uh, Brady Kachuk, over his last 19 games, has 14 points and that's only starting February 14th. And if, of course, you remember, the Sens fire sale began around that time and uh, continued for about a week and a half. Even with everyone out of lineup, he's sort of doing the thing that we need Thomas Shabbat to be able to do, which is produce without any help whatsoever. So so good on Brady Kachuk. Uh, he's taken a whole bunch of shots, uh, averaging over three shots a game for his last 20 games played. And he's scoring on only like 10 or 11% of them. So it's reasonable to think that he might be able to continue doing this. Like, it sounds crazy. Like, but he's so young also, right? How old is he? Like 20 years old? Not even. He is uh, 19 years and 189 days <laughs> so as of the date of this recording. Yeah, so I feel like this is making me really into Brady Kachuk, like a keeper league. If he's able to get this production and get these shots, even with like nobody really to play with, yeah, then just he... just remember that he did this at the start of the year and then went cold for very long, which is like what you'd expect from a 19-year-old rookie. We're not going to hold it against him, uh, but it's certainly promising and it's upping his draft stock going into uh, the, like finishing up this season. Also, Elon, just to follow up on Taro Hirose, um, it's great for him that he plays with Andreas Athanasiu because Andreas Athanasiu is a good shooter, which is one of the reasons why Hirose has three assists this year. Um, his assists have come on goals. Uh, none of them 
by Athanasio, actually, by Franz Nielsen, Thomas Vonick, and Luke Glendening. So none of these guys goal scorers, but Hirose uh, getting the primary primaries on two of those. Um, but I wanted to say how it's good that he's playing with Athanasiu. Athanasiu is like a 15% shooter in the NHL, and he's got six goals in his last nine games. So if Hirose continues to be paired with him, uh, that could help. Hirose, by the way, is one of those college free agent signings. He's a Calgary native, just finished his career with Michigan State, uh, had 50 points in 36 games in his final season in the Big Ten, uh, and now he's in the big show. Uh, So good for him. Don't expect a ton of points. But you could be playing uh, with worse players than Andres Athanasiu, who had, like, Andres Athanasiu, he had 12 shots over two games. He had two straight six-shot games. He had two goals in each of those games. And then the next two games, one shot in each of them. And declining ice time. This is something I've never been able to understand about Athanasiu or the way Jeff Blaschel uses him. It seems like whenever he starts getting rolling, uh, the momentum just comes to a screeching halt. So that would obviously hurt Hiroshi as well. Right. Okay. Unless Hiroshi like, gets on the top line with Dylan Larkin, then that's a whole other story. But uh, yeah. so, Brian, give me like two minutes. I'm going to run through like all the rest and then you can just comment and then Ben will be ready for our defense. Sense. Right, I just, just want to make sure that we give all the little tips. So Patrick Laine off the top line. Now he's on the second line playing with uh, Kyle Connor and Kevin Hayes. And by the way, Kyle Connor is hot, hot, hot right now. Somehow he's getting points every game, even though Patrick Laine is cold again. So uh, actually, Brian, really quick. Uh, well, no, it'll take too long, but it would be a fun discussion of like Patrick Laine versus Kyle Connor for the rest of the season i feel like at this point maybe you go kyle connor uh so yeah he anyways that, and then nikolai ehlers obviously then gets onto the top line so that's something to watch alex nylander i'm assuming it's nylander just like how i've been calling uh william nylander on the lease so this guy alex nylander is a prospect who's now uh playing for the sabers and he has been playing on the top line with jack eichel and connor sherry so uh reinhardt and skinner both playing on other lines so keep that in mind or Skinner injured. I don't know. Now, now I, you know, this is where it comes out. The, not the prep that we usually do, but yeah, watch out for Alex Nylander. He had two assists yesterday. He has four points in his last three. He might be a great guy to stream for next week because Buffalo plays five times next week, five games for the Buffalo Sabres in a week. So you could do a lot worse than Alex Nylander. Another, a couple random other guys that we have maybe never talked about before. Sunkvist, Oscar Sunkvist on St. Louis is playing on the second line with Perron and Schwartz. And he had three points in two games uh, before yesterday's game. Uh, there's a guy named Jace, power luck on florida and he's playing on the second line with um oh man uh who's he on the second line with so that would be trocheck and i believe huberdo maybe uh yeah Tro- uh, no, trocheck and hoffman Okay, so anyways, he had a goal yesterday. Uh, but Trocek has been kind of cold for a while, so I don't know how much this is worth. But again, for Super Deep League, maybe you could take a look at Jace Hariluck. Uh, do I want to na- mention any other guys? Maybe I'll just say Jamie Ben is finally doing stuff, so I really like that. Uh, Carl Hagelin, Brian, a guy I used to like. He's been once in a while getting points on Washington. Uh, Jordan Wheel. Did you know he's on Montreal now? He, he had a good game at some point. Oh, Ricard Raquel's woken up. Okay, so those are the forwards I just wanted to throw out there. So, Brian, you could comment if you want, or if not, we can go to the uh, next round. Carl Hagelin producing on that occasionally productive line with Lars Eller and Brett Connolly. It feels like it's been a couple years now that Lars Eller has centered a line that pops in and out of relevance. Um, So it's nice to know that it can be a place forwards can produce from. It's not a place forwards can reliably produce from. I would still prefer uh, Jacob Vrana, even though uh, he hasn't done a whole lot lately. He's still playing with Kuznetsov and Oshi. Yeah, he got a goal in his last game, uh, but he's been very quiet as of late. But if you're going to uh, add a capital. He's the guy I would prefer. Elon, before Jace Hauralak, you mentioned 
I mentioned Sunquist on Sunquist. Yeah, we talked about him. Uh, it was a few weeks ago, I think. Uh, we might have even named the episode after him. In any case, um, he was good when he had good deployment, and I feel like that could continue. So he is someone who, if his schedule fits, I know the Blues have a back-to-back. Maybe it's Friday, Saturday. So if you have open roster space in a deeper league, uh, go for it. Give him a shot if he's still getting that second-line deployment as of their first game of the week. Yeah, and or maybe go for David Perron and Jaden Schwartz, depending on how deep your league is. Perron's still hot, even though... Uh, Tarasenko's back and Perron's down on the second line now. Okay, let's do this, Ben. Sorry for making you wait. Uh, let's talk some D. What a cue. Um, <laughs> so in the uh, this is, yeah, this one is a little interesting, Elon. Right before we started the forwards poll, you kind of said uh, that you were focused on goals, assists, and points. And I have to say a lot of the players in this, like uh, there are not a lot of defensemen who specialize in those things that float on the waiver wire at this time of year. So I would say that this one is definitely like, there's going to be some very uh, like peripheral heavy players that come up in this section. Okay. Well, Um, we could work through them the best we can. Yeah. So with that said, number five seed is everybody's favorite hitman, Radko Gudis uh, versus the number 12 seed. And this is so shocking to me. He's the lowest owned in this like of the 12 players we uh we have on our on our bracket oscar clefbaum at 20 percent owned uh and they both play three times this week yeah so clefbaum like it's so fun you know i i think i finally said on an episode recently like i'm done with telling people to wait on clefbaum if this was like a few months ago i would have been like clefbaum don't even worry about it get plays with mcdavid obviously he's gonna do good uh at this point so what's what's clef bomb done lately i'm sure like after i said that i think he got a point in the next game when i finally said okay forget about oscar clef bomb so like he's definitely not a nobody like he's definitely someone who could produce he actually had four games in a row of getting an assist now he's pointless again in his last two games looks like he's back on the top power play so that's really good uh then you got radko gudas who doesn't get many points. We actually did get two points in his last three games. He had two straight games with an assist before today's game against Washington. I like how Gudas shoots for like a guy that's like known as being like a hits and blocks master. He actually shoots like more than he blocks, I think, or in a lot of games. Obviously, for the hits, you can't do better than Radko Gudas. So you can, but uh, not too many players get more hits than Radko Gudas. Um, but I feel like, come on, you got to go Oscar Clefbaum while he's playing on the top power play. He's someone, If you what, what percentage owned did you say Oscar Clefbaum is? So he's 20% owned. Radko Gudas is 37% owned. Yeah, so definitely when people are looking at their bangers leagues, you know, Radko Gudas is a solid guy you could depend on, especially for hits. He does every once in a while. Like in his last four games, only one of them he had four blocks, which is great, but in the other three, he had zero, one, and one. So it's not like a guarantee when you stream in Radko Gudas that you're going to get those blocks. I see also a stretch uh, near the beginning of March where he didn't have more than two blocks for a bunch of games. Um, but you know, he's not super reliable for points. And now, especially with Philly, not scoring as many goals as they were before. I know Brian's going to say clef bomb for sure. Even though he went cold, like if he's on the top power play, he did have this four games in a row assist streak. Plus he has been taking some shots. So maybe he's also having some bad luck with shooting percentage. So Brian, you're, you're taking clef bomb, right? I'm absolutely taking clef bomb, but not before reminding everybody that I think it was, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but you said, even if clef bomb is on the top power play, you are not interested, but you did couch that with saying until he shows me something. No, but (laughs) what? 
No, like, and I said I'm not interested. I meant, like, not interested in terms of, like, telling people hang on to him no matter what. Like, don't drop. Like, obviously for a stream, like, if I'm comparing him with Radko Gudas, I'm not saying, like, don't take anyone over Oscar Kleffbaum. I'm just saying I'm not going to rely on him to give me consistent points. But I feel like while he's on the top power play, I like him better than Gudas, who I feel like you get other people who will give you hits. Oh, for sure. But one thing about Kleffbaum that I will bring up that I don't love, uh, I get, like he is averaging about three shots per game, um, but his shooting percentage is low. Elon, you called it. He's, he's about 3%. Last year, he was shooting 2.5%. The years before that, he was shooting like 7%. On average, uh, of course, that's a smaller sample. So it's it'll be interesting to get another year uh, again. I feel like Oscar Kleffman is a guy we're always waiting on to see, oh, yeah, if he gets this and things go reasonably uh, as they should, how will he do? Uh, we still don't have that season yet where that's happened, um, but we don't need to wait so long to know that he is a better stream than Radko Gudas. So Oscar Clefbaum moves on. Wow. And Clefbaum is the 12th seed. And I feel like there's a good chance he's going to end up winning this bracket. Like I'm curious to see who else is going to compete against him. Cause I think Brian and I still are going to be a little biased more towards offensive abilities or like, like more like offensive potential. For so, sure. Okay. Who's next, Ben? Well, by that metric, you're dealing with two people who you are not going to have strong opinions about. <laughs> uh, and that is our number six seed, Robert and this is, my, I think, my first time ever realizing his first name is Robert. Uh, Robert Hag. Hag? Hog? Y'all, you guys probably know this, right? Hag. Maybe Hag? it's like something it in the Hag? middle. Maybe it's in the middle. Maybe it's like Hag. That's no, I think it's Hag. Okay. Robert Hals, uh <laughs> versus uh, number 11, Dmitry Orlov. Yeah, so Orlov was on that hot streak for a long stretch, and we brought it up. Well, not a long stretch, but you know, he went on a hot streak for a couple of weeks, and I brought it up on the podcast. And Brian said, "Nah, it's not gonna last." Oh, you know, Brian was being his typical wet blanket self, and I believe he was right. I'm bringing up Dmitry Orlov. <laughs> You're now... really setting that up to say I was wrong. No, no, definitely not. No, you're usually right. Yeah, so he had one, two, three, four, five games in a row with assists. I think so. I brought him up probably on last week's episode, and then this week, or no, so I guess probably uh, that last game with an assist was after you said to uh that he won't keep it up so then it was like oh maybe brian is wrong maybe he can't keep it up and his last three games no points he's dimitri orlov we said he's a 30 point guy and he's not super reliable for peripherals so actually he's been getting a lot of hits lately like i'm seeing a lot of games like two three three five yeah, four, 13 uh, hits over his last four games and he's normally that's just not- like another four that's just like an average four game stretch for robert Hag, by the way who has uh 19 hits in his last four games with uh they have about the same number of blocks uh their plus minus isn't uh, I guess I guess if you're go like if we're going this deep because it feels like we have to to separate the two uh, Orlov has the better plus minus lately uh but there's really like there's not a whole lot of difference between these guys they both are on similar point paces similar blocks similar shots but Robert Hag in my mind runs away with hits yeah, so if hits are counted, take Hag. Like if it was literally just points only, I'd have more confidence in Orlov getting a point on a given day. Like Orlov is on like a 30-point pace, right? Robert Hag is on a 20-point pace. So there is there is a pretty big difference between the two offensively. Is that, is that true? Yeah, I have Rob- a 21-point pace for Hag and a oh, 29-point pace for Orlov. Yeah, and Orlov's been a pretty consistent like 30-point guy for the last few years. Uh, so yeah, but I guess uh, considering we're looking at like one week so one of them's going to maybe get one point and the other one will get zero or maybe it will be one and two if we're lucky. So take those hits from Robert Hag. So let's, uh, sure, let's send Robert Hag forward. 
Though, actually, no. I want to take Orlov. Because, like, he also plays so many more minutes. Ugh, I don't know. It's hard because I don't know what we're competing on. Uh, I don't know. This one I'm not excited about. So I guess let's go to the tiebreaker. I want to do the tiebreaker and see what the chat room says. Uh, the chat room is 100% for sending Robert to the hag. Which, which <laughs> means bad. Crimes. Wait, that yeah. means bad, right? <laughs> no, I guess it's to prosecute. Dmitry Orlov for war crimes because Robert Hag wins. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So how would you Hag- guess Rob- Dmitry Orlov is based on the way we talk about him? How tall? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know. Six foot one. Six foot five. Uh, five eleven. Oh, what? What? Do we talk about him like he's tall? I don't know. We do, like I have always pictured him as like this like slowish big guy who throws his body around and like picks up peripherals, but yeah. By the he's way, was that- stocky. He weighs more than Robert Hag. You guys just sound afraid of him all the time when he comes up. You're all like, Dmitry Orlov. <laughs> you know that it was a hundred percent blowout for Orlov, but that was just one vote with just ten. Yes. I, guess we got, I guess the chat room is starting to peter out, and maybe people are like, "I want to go to bed," or maybe watch like these late games that might determine your fantasy hockey matchup. So, uh, all right, let's go to the next one. Orlov goes forward. No, Hag goes Orlov forward. Goes forward? No, yeah, Hag, Hag goes, goes forward. forward. Okay, cool. Uh, so next one up is Tyler Myers, our seven seed, who plays, I believe, three times next week, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, uh, versus Nate Schmidt of the Vegas Golden Knights, who has the, as previously mentioned, four-game schedule. Ooh, okay. We've got good competition now for Oscar Clefbaum. I love Nate Schmidt. He's been so good this year. And I feel like going into the season, you know, he had a decent season last year. Like if you look at what he did for Vegas last year, 36 points in 76 games, that's a 39 point pace. It was like, yeah, maybe, you know, and he was always closer to like a 20 point guy when he was on Washington. It was like, yeah, now he gets like this great deployment. He was playing over 20 minutes a game. And I was like, Nate Schmidt, solid 40 point guy. But this year he's even doing better than that. Now he's up to 30 points in 55 games for a 45 point pace. And it just feels like super consistent. Like there hasn't been super long stretches there was a stretch recently where he had three games in a row without a point i was like oh that's a bummer and then next three games three assists so he's totally made up for it in his most recent three games you know he's playing uh i guess a lot less power play time now i I guess ever since mark stone arrived uh vegas has decided to really load up on that one power play unit that has marcia so and riley smith and uh, William Carlson, by the way, Riley Smith is on an amazing hot streak. And like, all oh, that whole top line is fantastic. Like Vegas is just a very scary team. I think Calgary is going to be in trouble if they play them in the first round. But yeah, Nate Schmidt, a big part of it. Um, you know, like 45 point defenseman, it's looking like. And I don't see a reason to think he's going to slow down. So who was the other option? I don't even care. Like that. Oh, uh, Tyler Myers. Yeah, Nate Schmidt. And you said he has an extra game next week. So I'm loving Nate Schmidt. Wow. After, after that effervescent uh, gushing over Nate Schmidt. How can I say no? Like you thought it was going to be such a cakewalk for Clefbaum. Yeah, I didn't know that. So what's percentage owned is Nate Schmidt, Ben? Like, how is it that Schmidt is available? He's been so salt. And he's like pretty good, by the way, with the peripherals, right? Like he's uh, giving you, you say that, which is normally true, but lately not so much. He has like uh, three blocks in his last four games. He doesn't hit uh, like he's only thrown a hit once in his last six Right. So lately like, he hasn't been blocking. Not, his- like, I know you're really pumped about him. There's nothing that exciting. Like, I, I'm going to stick with Clefbaum. Like, I see uh, three points in his last six games, which is good. I know the extra game played is attractive. But Clefbaum plays on a top power play unit with Connor McDavid. And I know the yeah. the Oilers are just about over. And they lost to the Sens. And, like, this guy is definitely falling in Edmonton. 
but I still think Clef Bomb puts up more points the rest of the season. Okay, Brian. The, what? We gotta save this for the finals, right? Oh, like sorry. these guys aren't even against each other yet. Sorry. Nate Schmidt, by the way, overall in the season has 93 <laughs> blocks in 55 games. So yeah, he hasn't been blocking as much lately. But overall, I, I'm gonna look at the full season and tell myself that I think Nate Schmidt's pretty reliable for like one or two blocks a game, even if he hasn't been getting as many in like the last handful of games. But okay, so Nate Schmidt beats. Uh, is there even is it even worth talking about Tyler Myers? Like he did have a good stretch. Like there were all these injuries. I think the real guy to talk about on Winnipeg, and the reason why he's not brought up is he's probably too high percentage owned but brian like uh jacob truba is really turning it on offensively and you at one point said like i'm over this guy he's never going to be more than like a 30 point guy or whatever he's up to a 43 points in 75 games for a 47 point pace jacob truba's killing it lately of course uh dustin bufflin being injured is probably a big part of it and truba's been the guy on the top power play so i think that's probably the end of the story for you and we don't even need to talk about jacob truba but just like this guy he has like i always said i said if he given the opportunity i think jacob truba could be really really great and I thought oh that maybe god. he would need. You Why are you finally, saying, "Oh my god"? Because you I'm... finally bet. You've been saying that for years. Like you just framed by the way that I said I was finally over Jacob Truba. I've never like been thinking that he's more than a thirty-five point defenseman. And point taken, he's above that pace right now. But you were the one who recently finally changed your tune about Jacob Truba, saying, "I have learned my lesson." I will never expect consistent <laughs> offense from Jacob no. Truba. And here you are. You're, you're just making that same mistake all over again. No, what I said in that moment was, I think Jacob Truba needs a change of scenery because it didn't seem like he was ever getting top power play usage. That was the problem. It was like Bufflin was injured. And then it was like Josh Morrissey getting on the top power play. And that's when I was like, okay, forget Truba for offense in Winnipeg because they clearly don't want to give him top power play time. But I think now Morrissey's injured or is he? I don't know. Maybe Morrissey has come back by now. Oh, no, he hasn't. So Morrissey's still injured, it looks like. But so whatever. By process of elimination, Jacob Truba is now on the top power play, and he's doing really good at it. He's got two power play points the last four games. Like, I don't even have to run through his numbers, but Jacob Truba is a good offensive player when given the opportunity. Tyler Myers, he's actually on a decent stretch. He's got yeah, four points in his last five games. Yeah, he is. I'm surprised. Like, he's better than Nate Schmidt over the last little while. I, I cut you off, but he's got six points in his last nine games. He's taking shots pretty regularly. He's got peripheral that Nate Schmidt doesn't. He's throwing hits uh, uh, every other, every so often. Uh, he's getting at least a block a game with some big block games in there. Elon, I don't think, like, I was getting way ahead in this. Like, I really bought in to you selling Nate Schmidt so hard, but I don't think it's a clear win. For so, vote for, so vote for Tyler Myers. Let's send I'm going to vote room. for Tyler Myers. Like, he, right. we're talking about streamers in the last part of the season. Uh, Tyler Myers has been... Uh, far better than Nate Schmidt over the last week. And yes, I do. Over the last far. week, over the last week where Nate Schmidt has three points in his last three games that past week. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you say that, but okay. So let me see the last two, two weeks since March Good. 1st. How about that? Fine. Okay. So Ben, who wins? Uh, so you guys are split on this one. Yeah. Surprisingly. All right. Yeah, I, I had already penciled Schmidt in. Uh, he wins the vote 100%. We have more than one vote this time also. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, we have Schmidt moving on. Um, I think we can really blow through the eight versus nine matchup. Number eight is Eric Johnson. He has two games played ne- next week versus number nine, uh, the previously mentioned power play one, Kevin Shattenkirk, who has four games next week. Ooh. 
Yeah, so both guys that, like, going into the season, I had high hopes for. Brian, do you mind that I've been going with the sort of, like, I'm talking first? I always, I feel like I'm doing you a favor because I'm letting, giving you time to, like, look these people up. But yeah. it might be annoying that you might be thinking that I'm, like, well, uh, I am using favorite. that time, but I am sad that you missed uh, Ben's suggestion that we can just blow through this one because we still have, a, like, a bracket and three quarters of a bracket to get through, plus the finals. Um there's no Kevin Shattenkirk should not be a free agent. If you have not realized the run that Kevin Shattenkirk is on, you have been asleep at the wheel and your fantasy team, I hope is doing well because you haven't had to search for solutions, but Shattenkirk is now up to 13 points in his last 18 games. Only three of those coming on the power play on top of that. He's putting up more than two shots per game, 43 shots over his last 18 games without scoring a goal, which on one hand is like, oh man, Kevin Shankirk sucks, can't score a goal. But on the other, hey, he probably could have had a few in that stretch based on his usual shooting percentage. In fact, uh, maybe he should have had more uh, in like the entire season. It has been 30 games now since Kevin Shankirk last scored a goal. So I'm hopeful that that goal is coming. I'm hopeful that it will come to you, dear listener, who adds him to your fantasy lineup because he is absolutely somebody you do not want to pass up on. I don't even think Eric Johnson, like this, I'm going to play the Tyler Myers card, Elon. I don't think Eric Johnson, unless you want two or three blocks per game, is worth anything to, to, uh, to anybody. Well, yeah, and especially with Colorado only playing t- twice next week and the Rangers having the stream Gami, it is a slam dunk and it'll be really fun when we start comparing Schmidt, Shattenkirk, and Clefbaum in a couple rounds. So, okay, Shattenkirk goes forward. Uh, who do we got next? So we're going to roll with the Shattenkirk matchup in the second round and he's going up against our one seed who I think you guys are maybe going to be surprised that he's this low owned. Uh, Alex Edler is at 50% owned right now. Oh my and gosh. Uh, he has three games next week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, versus uh, Kevin Shattenkirk's Stream Gami. Damn. You know what, Ben? You undersold this bracket. You When you we got into defense, you were like saying, oh, it's going to be boring, like hits and blocks, guys. And you brought up Robert Hag and Radko Gudas. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a snoozer. You even seemed to be falling asleep. At one point, I asked you a question and you were like, sort of like, wait, what? What? But well, now I had my mic muted for you. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like super exciting. I feel like Edler versus Shattenkirk, like, oh, man, because we're talking like we want to give credit to Edler for his hits and blocks, right? And he's been good for that. I think that Edler has had a couple good games lately. Uh, Peter, yes, like, he has six points in his last three games, a goal and five assists, six shots in that span, uh, as well as the usual Alex Edler special, uh, six hits eight blocks so he's getting you those peripherals he is filling categories lately yeah i'm i'm voting edler man i think i'm gonna vote edler too even though i think shattenkirk might outpoint him i don't think so i don't think so why not i don't know i feel like 13 shattenkirk... points in his last 18 and edler like has been cold since coming back from injury right like there were few signs of life up until recently Okay, let's take a look at the schedule. Let's let's dig into this. So Vancouver plays at home three games. I'm not saying this like as if I'm disagreeing. I'm learning this as I talk. <laughs> so Vancouver plays Anaheim, Los Angeles, Dallas, all at home. That's pretty good. Like those are games where you could score some goals, especially against Anaheim and Los Angeles. And then you've got the Rangers with the stream Gami, Pittsburgh at Boston, St. Louis at Philly. Uh, I think that those are better games to get points for Vancouver. Plus you've got the peripherals. 
the Rangers do have that extra game. But also, I do feel like Shattenkirk's the type of guy who, like, he could even get benched for a game. Like, he has been healthy scratched a couple of games. I know the way it's looking lately, it doesn't seem very possible, especially because the Rangers, like, what, what do they have to gain by benching Kevin Shattenkirk? Unless, I guess, they do want to give, like, a young player a chance. Like, I know Shattenkirk, they always don't love how he's not so great defensively. Um, yeah, it's just to me, like... If your if your league counts even just points, I think I would take Vancouver. Like also, I just feel like they're more likely to score goals. Like Brock Besser has been on fire lately. Like the <laughs> Peterson is like real the real deal. He's so good. Like he could go off for multiple points. And Edler's on that top power play with both of them and the peripherals. So yeah, I'll go Edler. I understand why you like Shattenkirk here. I'm voting Edler, but if you take Shattenkirk, I won't the uh, you know think you're dumb or anything. I'll be happy so, to go to the chat room. I'm just saying points only. It sure seems like Shattenkirk could keep pace or exceed Edler. I, I get what you're saying about goal scoring. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot happening in New York that way. Uh, and the peripherals do put Edler over the top. So I'm going for Edler. One person, by the way, that maybe we should just mention quickly from the last bracket when we when you finished Elon as a as someone who wasn't in the bracket, but you might want to consider adding is Sven Berchi who is making his return tonight. And uh, we're talking about this 15 minutes before game time, uh, but he is slated to play with Besser and Pedersen uh, on what is the top line in Vancouver. And we'll see if any power play time comes along with that too. Remember he was an interesting ad just before he got injured. So we'll see what he does in this spot. And if he can hold it, Um, you've got Levo, taking a seat. Goldobin's back in the lineup, but it says something that he's not playing with Pedersen and Besser. Uh, Berchi is. Yeah, that's definitely a guy to watch. Like, oh, unfortunately, just Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday next week, but keep an eye on Sven Berchi, and then if you could fit him in your lineup maybe for the following week, uh, he's definitely in a good spot. He was looking good, but he always gets injured. So if you're in a league where you like set your lineup for the week, I definitely wouldn't take Berchi because I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play the rest of the games of the season. That, un- it's unfortunate to say. Uh, okay, so Edler goes through. What did the? I'm curious to know what did the chat room say for this one, Ben? Yeah, it was it was all Edler, and honestly, I have Edler in a bangers league, and I would not drop him for one extra game of Shattenkirk. Like he's just too valuable with the way that he's been filling all the yeah. categories the last couple weeks. But let's definitely give a hand to Kevin Shattenkirk. Like a great run. Like I think that like earlier in the season he was, you know, we liked him. Then he went so cold. Then we were like, drop him in all your leagues. It's really nice to see him bounce back to some relevance, and he could be a good guy to pick for next year. So let's clap him up. Oh, Ben, you didn't watch? uh, Okay, like you know, sometimes on Survivor when someone gets voted off, like they give him a clap. So let's uh, give a clap for Shattenkirk because he's out the door. Hell yeah, Uh, love you, Kevin. Um, Next up, we have. the Cinderella possible Cinderella story, number 12, Oscar Clefbaum. And he's going up against a much higher owned at 45%. Uh, Essa Lindell, who plays Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday this week. Clefbaum, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Hmm. So, like, right off the bat, I just feel like Essa Lindell was someone who was so hot for a stretch during this season. <laughs> That's you buying time. I'll, I'll, I'll no, no, I've got, I'm ready. There was okay. a stretch where he had 12 points in 19 games. Yeah. Like, like he had a good run. I'm not sure if that coincided with Klingberg being injured or not, but either way, Lindell's, what is he like pointless in 13 games, 13 games without a point, but it's easy. Go cleft bomb. We don't yeah. even have to talk, discuss it any further. Yeah, this is a no-brainer. One thing Esselindel does reasonably well is kill penalties. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of short-handed points to be found. That does mean that if you are digging for peripherals, uh, he'll help you with some hits, he'll help you with some blocks, but he's not going to be much help with the points. Man, and that's he- why he is gone. Yeah, who are these people who have Esselindel and not uh, Oscar Clough? These are people. These are probably people that aren't paying attention, right? 
Come on. 13 games without a point? You're still holding on to Asa Lindell? Please. Child, please. <laughs> you need a catchphrase for this situation when you're uh, <laughs> making fun of people for still having people on the roster. Can I make uh, a child, please? Can I be like Andre from the league? Yes. <laughs> You yeah, you are the Andre of uh, this podcast now that you've I'm, requested to be. I'm wearing a hat. There you Something. go. All right. Well, we're moving on, and we're back to Robert. Take me to the Hag uh, with the number six seed, and he's going up against his teammate, number uh, ranked number three, uh, Ivan Provorov. Hmm. This is like no point because we know that both of them are going to get bumped. Like whoever moves forward is going to just get bumped. But I'll just take Provorov because he plays like so many more minutes. So that's more opportunities. I know Hag gets you those hits, but Provorov, I guess he's on that top pairing with Travis Sanheim, which I was excited about for a while back when Philly used to get points. But Provorov isn't like a slouch for hits. He doesn't hit as much as Hag, but he still gets you like two, three hits in a lot of games. And he generally gets you at least one block. Lately, he's only been getting one block, but there was a stretcher who was getting like two a game. He's pointless in forever pointless in eight games but i still expect him to get more po- like he gets second power play time he gets a ton of ice time like more than 10 minutes more of ice time than robert hag so to me it's easily Provorov. Provorov also like lindell uh awful lately offensively like you said pointless in eight just so just one point in his last 11 plays a lot of penalty kill though so gets those hits and blocks uh i say as reliably as Robert Hag, and with those extra minutes, you've got to think that it's only a matter of time before he breaks this cold snap he's in, which is officially the longest one of the season for Provorov, and it has not been a great offensive season at all for him, just on pace for 27 points. Blah, that's after 41 points last year and 30 points in his rookie season when he was playing like three minutes less per game than he is now. So it's been a, a rough year for Ivan Provorov, but not so rough that I prefer Robert Hag to him. Yeah, but in general, I'd say Ivan Provorov's pretty much a snoozer. Like, especially next week, yeah. Philly plays Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Are you really holding, especially if you're in a league where you've got Shattenkirk and potentially Evler and Clefbaum, like these like defensemen who you're bringing up, Ben. Like, if you have anyone decent who's gotten a point in the past 10 games, <laughs> I feel like you might want to take a look and see if you might want to drop uh, Ivan Provorov for someone. Okay. Sorry. All right, well, let's move on to the, the final... Uh... Uh, elite Four. eight matchup, and that is uh, it's actually another pair of teammates from Vegas. We got Nate Schmidt, number 10, and Shea Theodore, number two. Oh, Ooh. easy, okay, Theodore, right? Yeah, well, Brian hates Nate Schmidt, so yeah. Obviously- I, I didn't even want Schmidt to get this far, so there's no way he's going to get past the guy on his own team that is just going bananas lately. Uh, now, of course, uh. <laughs> He's he hasn't scored in his last two games, but going into that, uh, Shea Theodore has been on a great run, and these shot counts are crazy. You look at his last like fifteen games, and he has three or more shots so many times. He's even got a couple six shot games and a seven shot game. Now you're not going to get peripherals from Shea Theodore. Uh, he's not going to help you with hits or blocks. But like I said, neither is Nate Schmidt these days so why not just go with Shea Theodore get yourself some power play time get yourself a chance at points and get yourself a whole lot of shots on goal yeah I consider a shot a peripheral so I feel like Shea Theodore like it's hard to get shots from a defenseman so the fact that you could fill a d spot and not hurt your shots on goal actually help your shots on goal compared to a lot of your forwards that's pretty crazy so i think that's an easy answer also especially because like i said now that vegas seems to be stacking that that top power play 
that like it's like Carlson, Marsha, so Riley Smith, Mark Stone, Shea Theodore. They play all the minutes, and then Stasny, and maybe when Pacioretty's back, that'll change. But like for a while now, it's been like seventy percent, like, like of the you know like on the Dauber profile, you can see the percentage of time on the power play. And Theodore had like seventy-seven percent the last game, sixty-nine the game before, fifty-seven. Like he's getting a big chunk of the team's power play time every single game. So that's great opportunities for shots and for points. Uh, yeah, no brainer. I do like Nate Schmidt a lot. I want to clap for him, just like we clap for Shattenkirk out the door. But uh, he's got to go for Shea Theodore. This is going to be a really fun Final Four. Well, let's start with the less exciting matchup, though, because you just uh, you just basically said that he's a placeholder in the semifinals. <laughs> but uh, Ivan Provorov versus your boy Shea Theodore. Walking Dead. Ivan, come on, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, Theodore. Don't even need. We covered both. Yeah, no, Theodore. Cool. Theodore, 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 Theodore. Man, by the way, All uh, right, Brian, well, our other semifinal then is Edler and Clefbaum. Okay, that's a fun one. Uh, by the way, Michael Furland, another assist for Carolina. Maybe <laughs> did we make a mistake, like kicking him out of the first round? I don't know. Oh man, I bid, I bid twenty one dollars in the cupful to add Michael well, Furland. To, to quote your comment on Dylan Larkin the other night, it happened in overtime, so it almost doesn't count. <laughs> no, no. Furland's uh, assist was in the third period. Oh, Special okay. oh he got on the tying goal. Yeah. Okay. So uh, anyways, Carolina. So uh, I'm going to have to now check on Twitter after we're done recording, see what their celebration looked like. I'll bet it was a lot of fun. And a so, tough we have, so we have Clefbaum versus? Oh, yeah. What are we doing here? Versus Edler. Tough. But Edler. Not, not that tough. Yeah, Edler. Yeah. Like okay. I like Clefbaum, but we've seen him go cold on that top power play. Edler, I don't. Edler's got peripherals. Like that—that's the one thing Edler has going for him in all of these. <laughs> of course, like he could get injured, uh, but so could Clefbaum. So I'm going to Elon. Is there a reason to go Clefbaum here? No, come on. Edler's got more points lately. I think. Uh, I guess lately uh, Clefbaum's been taking a few more shots, but Edler could. Like there's there have been stretches where Edler's getting like three, four shots every game. Uh, he's got the hits. He's got the blocks. It's going to be really tough to knock out Alex Edler. I can't believe he's available in so many leagues. Yeah. So, I feel like he's available in leagues that had like one IR spot when he was injured, and then when he came back, he didn't do anything. So now it's like, ah, oh, he's available. Right. We never got this matchup. It would have been fun to see it. Who would you have taken between Shattenkirk and Clefbaum? Oh, um, wow. I don't know. Do you want to go first? I would have taken Shattenkirk with the stream Gami. Yeah, I guess the schedule does tilt it towards Shattenkirk's favor. And Shattenkirk is finally like, you know, he's seeing top power play time. So I am going to go. Yeah, I, w- I would have gone Shattenkirk. Okay, so Edler makes it to the finals against, is it Shea Theodore? Or does Shea T- Theodore still need to beat somebody? No, you guys picked Theodore over Provorov. Are you guys going to definitely just choose Edler? Because if Edler can almost graduate from the conversation, it might be more interesting to pick between Theodore and Shattenkirk. Sure. Okay, so let's say, Edler, you've won the official pool. Now the unofficial second-place matchup looks like it's against Shattenkirk and Shea Theodore, and I'm going Shea Theodore for sure, because I still worry that Shattenkirk, he's on a nice little run, and he's getting that top power play time, but... You know, Shea Theodore hasn't gotten bumped from that top power play. And Shea Theodore's taking all those shots. And some of them are actually going in, as opposed to Shattenkirk, who, you know, like, shot and goals are nice. But it is possible that he's taking bad shots. Like, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen all of his shots. I'd like to see. Maybe he's just uh, taking a shot from the point that doesn't have a big chance of going in. Though, obviously, rebounds are a thing to help you get assists. And he has picked up assists lately. And I'd be interested to see how many of his assists came from shots. But okay, uh, I'm taking Shea Theodore. So, Brian, uh, do you concur or would you go Shattenkirk? No, I concur. You've got two guys who are producing at 
roughly the same rate. Shea Theodore probably a little better if you're just chopping it down to the last 10 games. Uh, and you look at who Shea Theodore plays with, better personnel, both at even strength and especially on the power play. And then you look at all those shots on goal for Shea Theodore. I said Shine Kirk was averaging more than two. Uh, Shea Theodore can go several games getting three or more shots, as I mentioned. So... I prefer Shea Theodore, the runner-up to Alex Edler in the defenseman bracket. He's the Michael Backlund, essentially. The guy who would win if we had more sensible percentage owned. Uh, although, I like, how many how many real leagues is Theodore really unowned in? I mean, I picked him up in the Cacupville just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ryan, sorry, Ryan, who I'm going to beat this week to make it to the finals. He dropped Shea Theodore a little while ago, and Theodore helped me uh, win this matchup. But by the way, congratulations on a great season, Geister bars. (laughs) I ended up in the consolation bracket in part because my opponent picked up Shea Theodore just ahead of our matchup. But it's only been, like, he, he really just started getting going in a reliable way. Uh, by the beginning of March. So it's been a few weeks. So he's probably available then. I doubt he's available now. But if he is, go get him. Yeah. Well, Brian, don't forget. Uh, not like I think you and I definitely need to consider joining a more shallow league next year just to have the context to talk about some of these guys because I wouldn't be surprised like sometimes I look at my friends lineups to help them out uh, I'm a nice person that way and like some people are in leagues where guys like Shea Theodore and like Alex Edler are available all the time we get questions also in the Facebook group like you know there are shallow leagues and like Theodore is not a slam dunk like a John Carlson or something you know so obviously there's a lot of people in tiers above him so that was a lot of fun Ben you are killing it so far Thank you so much for working us through all of these complicated decisions. Thank you to the chat room, everyone who's stuck with us. We've still got another bracket to go. Are you guys good to keep going? Yeah, Yeah. I feel like the goalie bracket is not going to be so complex, right? It's going to be who's playing, who's likely to play more often and who is on the better team. That's what my decisions will mostly come down to. Yeah, also, Brian. you just got pranked dude because this is way more complex than you think because there's a bunch of play in matchups okay yeah oh yeah yeah we've got some fun coming for the goalie (laughs) oh my god okay let's do let's let's crush these uh, the reason why the goalie one won't take too long or like doesn't really matter uh ben you got the paper shuffling there which is a a pro here like he's got all these papers brian we don't have papers I don't know. Maybe we're not real businessmen like Ben. Digital papers. Yeah. So uh, the thing with goalies is we're going to get it wrong because who the F knows. And so we'll like take a guess, but we're going to be wrong. Like Brian has been telling us about how like you don't want to have a goalie on a back to back. I think Carey Price, uh, actually, he, he ended up losing. He was having a really good game. <laughs> but like, yeah, like who knows? Like, even, like which is true. You and don't Devin have Dubnik, they're, they're more exact. I can't say this enough. There are more examples of a goalie blowing it on the second half of a back-to-back than doing well. Of course, but also Darcy Camper played well in the second half of a back-to-back. It's oh, not a, Elon, you'll find exceptions. I'm just saying, like, today there were two. And my only point I'm trying to make is that goalies are so hard to predict for a given week. That's all I'm trying to say, that even though we have some tried-and-true uh, metrics... They're not that tried and true for a small sample size. And even for a big sample size this season, we, we were totally bad at predicting goalies. So we'll do our best. But, you know, try, take everything we say with a grain of salt. And probably you just want to flip a coin when you're deciding on your goalie decisions for your finals matchup. Ben, let's do this. Okay, so maybe it's easiest if we do, like, I have about five matchups here that are just kind of picking the starter between the two options on the teams. So maybe you guys can kind of do like a bit of a lightning round with these ones, as opposed to doing like a full on conversation. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Just tell us what to do. We got this. 
So yeah, we'll start with we'll start with New York then. Like Grace Grace versus Laner. Who would you prefer in your last week or two? Didn't Laner? So Laner played today. I think for the second half of a back to back. I think Laner got both games this weekend, and he just got a shutout against Arizona. Um, I should probably verify that, but I'm pretty sure Leonard also played did, yesterday. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Leonard seems like the obvious guy right now. He's on fire. I think Leonard's going to win this bracket if he's going to be even in the conversation. He's having such an amazing season. 926 save percentage in a season where like most goalies suck. Amazing. It's like the only reason you could even get him in free agency is because Thomas Grice has had such a good season. So sometimes people are like, oh, well, I don't know which Islanders goalie to have. But right now, Leonard just got the two back-to-back games. So but that I'm... happened last weekend with Grice, too, is what <laughs> really kind of messes me up, is that Grice literally did a back-to-back last weekend. Yeah, so next week, the Islanders play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So they don't have to worry about back-to-backs. They're against Columbus, Winnipeg, and Buffalo. So... Teams that could score goals, but I could see Leonard getting the next game after having a shutout and playing against Columbus, who has struggled a bit lately. So I don't know. I feel like you got to go Leonard just because he's the one who's done well recently. But you are right, Ben, that it totally could now go to Grace by the end of the week. Yeah, Grace was really good while Leonard wasn't playing, right? He had four games in a row where he played really well. He he had a shutout uh, against Columbus. He stopped 33 of 34 against Montreal. He stopped 20 of 22, which isn't fantastic, but it's pretty good against Detroit. Then stopped all uh, 32 of 34 for an overtime win against Minnesota. So Grace has been good, uh, and then he wasn't when Leonard was like ready to threaten for starts again. So, like, we know this about Thomas Grice, though, right? That he is a pretty good goalie. Um, he can lose it occasionally. But generally, like, he, he's pretty good at his job. So, assuming Robin Lehner is is coming back healthy, though, it's hard to think that the door is really that far open for Grice to step in to start, seeing as how Lehner pretty much established himself as the guy. And Lehner also is, like, one of the best goalies in the league all year long in goal saved above average. So that's why I imagine he will play more often down the stretch. Yeah, what a season for Robin Leonard. What a what a hero. Man, what did the Sens who did the Sens get for him? It's always fun to like uh, first round pick. Okay. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, okay. it was it was actually a pretty good return. All right. So yeah, especially at the point? time it, he wasn't like really profiling that highly and there were like the goalie market was kind of busy as I recall. Yeah, and I guess also there's all this like backstory now that Leonard was dealing with stuff, and now he's uh, fine and and clearly doing really well. By the way, back to our back to back conversation. Uh, PJ's bring up in the chat both Grubauer and Crawford playing against each other today, and they played against each other yesterday also. So two other goalies, and so far both of them are having good games as well. So this is the week, this is the day where Brian's theory doesn't uh, come true. But overall, uh, yes. Okay, so just for completion's sake, sorry, Ben, who, who's next? Uh, let's do Riddick or Smith. Who would you want? Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Like Smith has been hot lately, but I think Riddick has also done good in his last two games. But I think Mike yeah. Smith has been playing more often. Oh, man. I think Mike Smith for now. I just get this impression. Brian, tell me if this is stupid. Like, I feel like Calgary would rather play Mike Smith in the playoffs if he's on a run. Like, he, you know, they brought him in. They signed him. He's the veteran. Like, David Riddick, you know, has... Like, obviously, Mike Smith is not the most reliable guy, but I feel like they want to get Smith ready to play game one of the playoffs and see how far he can take them. So for that reason, 
I'd imagine Smith is the guy that's going to get more starts for the stream Gami next week. Like Ben's actually like uh, right by Calgary. So maybe he also knows more about the vibe between those two. But my impression seems to be that Mike Smith is the one they're going to want to get in game one of the playoffs. I love that the bar is so low for Mike Smith where it's like, yeah, his last two starts were good. So I guess he's going to be a good goalie again. Like before that he had a nine Oh five. And then you have to go back like uh, over a week to find his start before that, which was good. It was nine twenty three. Um, one of the starts we need to keep in mind was against Ottawa where he stopped 18 of 19 shots, not a heavy night. Uh, then he, then he played at Vancouver, stopped 27, 28. So that was a little more of an impressive performance, but like, I'm not seeing a whole lot of reason to really believe that Mike Smith is any different this time, right? The reason he doesn't have the job is because he's not good enough to play well enough for long enough. We've seen it happen all year long where he comes in. We say, Oh my gosh, can he? And then he can't. Um, So I agree, Elon, that uh, the flames would be very happy if Mike Smith could take the bull by the horns here and keep the job. But I think he's going to essentially force their hand as he has every other time he's built even the smallest uh, modicum of momentum and blow it soon enough. And then Riddick will come in. Yeah, I think the problem is David Riddick has also shown himself to be inconsistent, right? Like, he's had two good games recently. Before yeah. that, it was two terrible games. Uh, so he's also not doing well. So I'm sure that yeah. if the Flames could have Grubauer, uh, like, you know, like then Smith would be the Varlamov sitting on the bench for a back-to-back in an important playoff matchup. But they don't have a Grubauer right now. But Riddick also hasn't, like, his last two starts were good. 939, 960. Uh, one of them was against the Rangers. So let's, you know, do the same thing we did about Smith and Ottawa. And this is the story in Calgary. This year, they have a team, they're missing the goaltending. And it's really unfortunate for fantasy owners who have just been like, yeah, I want a goalie on a top five team in the league. And neither guy ever pans out. The one thing that Riddick still has going uh, for him is that he leads the league this year. And I know this isn't built on recent performance, but more so built on uh, some of his earlier play. But he still leads the league. Uh, He's the only goalie who has a higher goal saved above average per 60 minutes than Robin Lehner. Uh, so David Riddick is the Philip Grubauer of, of of the league this year in that stat. And that counts for something. Like he okay. built up uh, a solid body of work and then has blown it several times since. But he still did that first thing. Yeah, but Smith has also had good runs. But yeah, for sure, Riddick might have a nice future. Uh, oh, by the way, Calgary does have a really... Like once we get past deciding which Calgary goalie, they do have a good schedule next week. Like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, three home games to start the week against LA, Dallas, and Anaheim. So those are three winnable games. And uh, so like getting the right Calgary goalie could be good because their forwards are good enough to score goals. And then like these teams they're playing against aren't necessarily so great at scoring goals themselves. So you might get a low save percentage or goals against average, especially just because the other teams aren't as good. So, yeah, uh, that's fun. So we're going Smith out of Calgary. Uh, So right now, Ben, we're basically just picking which goalie we want from teams before we actually move them into the bracket. I think, yeah, it's kind of like a play-in match, right? Like Smith versus uh, Riddick just to get in, see who gets into the bracket. And then we're just going to have four matchups for this one once we get through it. So it's the same number of overall uh, choices. Sounds good. Okay, so Um, Smith is in. Next one up is Morazic McElhenney. I feel like he got to go, Morazic. He's been so good lately. McElhenney got the win today. So that's really great for Carolina, who has always been a team that looked like they could be good, but never got the goaltending. They just got like sabotaged by their terrible goaltending. Now this year, they've had pretty reliable guys. Like McElhenney has struggled a bit lately. So I'm really happy to see him come in and have a great game, stop 28 of 29 against the Habs for that huge OT win. But I think down the stretch, Morazic has shown that he's their starting goalie. He's going to be the guy taking them into the playoffs. 
And I think that's no question. I, I'd be surprised if Brian disagrees. I, I don't disagree. They were sort of splitting every game for a while until that every other game for McElhaney turned into, uh, well, some kind of a, a frightening start. Uh, he had a run just recently where three of his four starts were sub 900 outings. And Mrazek has been uh, very steady. Three of his four starts, uh, three out of his four last starts have been, well, above 900 outings, above 945 outings. Uh, you have to go back quite a while to find a stretch where Mrazek was bad for a few games in a row. You're looking at like mid to late January. Uh, so that's why I think Mrazek has proven himself to be the one deserving of the Canes end. And I think raw talent, he probably is better than McElhaney. It's just taken him a long time uh, this season and in his career to find his game, find his stride. And it's nice to see him do it in Carolina. I could still see um, both he and McElhaney alternating. Like there's four games this week. I think they could each get one. I think, or sorry, I think they could each get two. I think that's still entirely possible. But if a guy was to get three of them, it's got to be Mrazek. And I would say that if they each get two, I'd still rather have Mrazek because I think that right now he's a better goalie than McElhenney. Yeah, I actually, uh, I had two moves left this week in the cupful and I needed, like, and I wanted to try and ensure I had a goalie start but I didn't know which Kane's goalie to add. So I just added them both. And I guaranteed that I'd get two extra starts. It was a brilliant ploy. And, well, I call it brilliant. And uh, combined, they had two huge games. Malcolm stopped 28 of 29. Mrazek stopped 24 of 25. They both got the win. Uh, You've got to like whoever's playing net for Carolina these days. All right. Well, um, next up, we have Elliot and Carter Hart. Well, Ben, what do you think? I feel like we're, you know, you're a very knowledgeable guy. You <laughs> made it to the playoffs of tier two Ottawa couple. I feel like Brian and I are talking so much. I don't want you to get bored. Like uh, this one, who who would you go with? Uh, I think you got to go with Carter Hart right at this exact moment. Uh, just that he's been rolling with it and doing pretty well. Um, and really, if you have any goalies on your roster at this point of the year, you're really just going for starts. I think, and he's got four of the last five, including like the first half of the back-to-back. They lost both games, so Elliot played today for his first start in I think about ten days. So I just think you got to roll with Hart because he's the guy who is most likely to start at this point. Yeah, I don't even know if he's necessarily the right choice. Like, I feel like Brian Elliott was on such a great run, I guess, like, lately, but he's barely played, right? So he let in three goals against Washington, which is a really tough game today. But, like, overall, uh, Brian Elliott was on a really nice run after coming back from his injury. But clearly, like, Carter Hart is the starter, considering he played four games in a row before today's back-to-back. So I agree with you. Brian does, too. I saw him nod. All right, well, uh, last one in this uh, play-in would be Montumbo. Uh, number five versus Luongo. Oh, wow. I like the Dikembe pronunciation there. (laughs) Thank you. So Florida, so Brian, like how wrong, like how right or wrong were you? So last week we were talking about how Montombo was on a really nice, okay, now it's Montombo, right? Like if you actually do it correctly. Montombo. Montombo. So uh, he was on that. So Monty was on that great run. He had like four wins in a row. And then Brian was like, I'm not buying it. It's not going to last. Last week, how did it turn out? He He gave up 12 goals over three games with a combined uh, 875 save percentage. Wah, wah. Lost all three. 
Yeah, and no win. So Brian, first of all, wins the uh, podcaster bracket for uh, <laughs> having a great prediction on telling people not to grab Sam Montembeau. And if you did grab him and you lost, uh, you know, I was thinking of grabbing him, actually, Brian, in a couple of my leagues, and you convinced me not to. So I should thank you as well. I was, like, eyeing him, and you gave us reasons not to. Uh, so now going into next week, I still – I don't know. Like, him – does it matter? Like, I feel like I don't have faith no. in either. This is like the uh, – the time, what was the, the one Hagen Provorov or whoever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Hagen Provorov. It was like, yeah. this is just- neither one of these guys is going to make it past their first round. So let's just say Luongo and uh, and then get to the bracket. I do want to just check in on Luongo. Like, what's he done lately? He, he so, had a win against yeah. Arizona. That was his one start in the last two weeks, and he nailed it. He's top 32 of 34 shots, 941 save percentage, and the win. Boom. But Arizona sucks. They can't score goals anymore. So they're still going to probably they never make the could. I mean, yeah, it's true. I, I saw I saw a stat. If they make the playoffs and if things stay the way they are, they'll be the first team since like the 50s to make the playoffs without a 20 goal score, which is pretty wild. And back then in the 50s, they played only like 40 games a season and still like people, all the playoff teams tended to have 20 goal, at least one 20 goal score. So yeah, wild. Okay, so we're going Luongo, even though I don't know if he's going to get the starts, but honestly, like, I'd rather him than Montombo. So, okay, Ben, we're ready for the bracket. All right, so let's go with our number one seed, Robin Leonard, versus our number eight seed, a somewhat surprisingly uh, ranked Malcolm Subban. Oh, wait. Oh, because these were some walk-ins just to see if you make it. So, sorry, who's against Subban? Robin Lehner. Okay. Lehner. I mean, we should mention uh, <laughs> that Flurry is injured, right? And so we That's don't why know- he's here, yeah. Yeah, so Flurry is day to day. I think did we talk about this earlier? Or you and I talked there? about this before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so uh, or no, we were talking about Pacioretty being day to day, and we were saying he might be back soon. I don't think we covered when Flurry's going to be back, but I think it's also the kind of thing where he doesn't have a long term. Let me just get the latest Roto World yeah, to make sure I, I don't mess anything up here. I'll fill in while you're looking it up. It, I got it. Oh, we'll go okay. Wow. Well, go ahead though. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that. Um, Subban is a good option if you're looking for a win, not a good option if you're looking for good numbers. Uh, he's not a reliable goaltender. Uh, I I say that after he did put up a couple quality games, but you look at his season on the whole, and it's just like scattershot. It's all over the place. His save percentage is 905. His quality starts do not come regularly. So he's not someone I want to find myself depending on. It's kind of unfair like to have him against Robin Lehner because I think it's worth like he's worth more of a discussion than just saying, yeah, Robin Lehner's the guy I want over Malcolm Subban. Um, but Subban is just like, if you're looking for a win, great. But if you, if he blows up your rate stats and that's going to hurt you a lot, I would be very nervous about starting him. Yeah. And also, so Fleury is day to day. He's got a lower body injury, but apparently he's going to be available to travel with the team to St. Louis today to play against St. Louis tomorrow. So he probably won't play against St. Louis, except if he's traveling with, the, oh, he had a baby. So I know how Dave would just be like, oh, forget about Fleury, but uh, he might still play games over Subban. So yeah, anyways, anyways, Robin Leonard has been so great. So how can we not say Leonard? This is, this is going to be like if Tampa plays the Habs in the first round of the playoffs, it's just going to be a total blowout. Awesome. Uh, number two, second, ra- number two ranking is uh, Philip Grubauer. And uh, he's going up against Roberto Luongo. Done. Grubauer killing it lately. And Luongo, we already said, had no chance. So I think we could uh, uh, agree on that, right, Brian? Sure. But let's take a second to talk about what Grubauer has done lately, which is really impressive, right? Last week, the conversation was he's had a couple good games. Can he hold it together? And my answer was maybe. 
and Colorado should just go with whoever's hot. But if you look at their body of work over the f- course of the full season, uh, Arlamov is probably the better bet um, based on how they've done just this year, right? But Grubauer continues to get the net and continues to crush it. Uh, he has had a fantastic week putting up uh, no save percentages lower than 935 over his last five starts. And I think this game with Chicago is still going on. Uh, he's stopped 28 of 29 shots so far. And this is on the second half of a back-to-back. So th- these are some fantastic performances we're seeing from Philip Grubauer, which is why uh, go ahead and grab him. Although now that he's played a back-to-back, I'm like starting to get worried. As, oh, is he going to be too tired for the next one? Well, Colorado only plays Wednesday, Friday next week, two home games against Vegas and Arizona. So he has time to rest. And yeah, I think you got to go Grubauer. It'll be really fun to compare him to someone like Laner later on to decide who we'd like more. Uh, by the way, also this Chicago-Colorado game that's still going, like I said, Brian, it's 1-1. We had someone post in our Facebook group, Corey, earlier today saying the struggle is real. He's a diehard Blackhawks fan, but because of his fantasy matchup, he needs to cheer against Kane, Debrinkit, Keith, and Jonathan Taze. He needs them all to have a bad day. Then I like jokingly responded, hey, Maybe Anisimov will score the only goal and you'll be fine. Well, right now it's 1-1 and Anisimov has scored the only goal for Chicago. So hopefully Anisimov could score again in overtime with none of those other guys assisting and Corey can have a very good night with his Hawks winning and winning his fantasy matchup. So, okay, uh, Grubauer moves forward. Yeah, I think we have a better matchup with a 3v6 seed. Uh, Number three, we have Corey Crawford. Number six, we have Carter Hart. Crawford versus Hmm. Carter Hart. So Corey Crawford, Brian, what's he been up to lately? Well, he is also playing uh, both, like he's playing back-to-back against Colorado, which is his second consecutive game in his many nights. Um, unfortunately, his first night did not go as well as Grubauer's did. Uh, he stopped uh, just 24 of 27 for an 875 save percentage. But before that, he had a, a nice little run uh, of games where he gave up one or fewer goals. There were four of them. And I think that was probably leading into when we were talking about him last episode. He's been uh, almost as good. Like, he's kept it up. I don't know. Like, I he, think he's still on, like, a not a, like, I know I keep saying this all season long and Chicago continues to, like, be just on the edge of playoff contention. It, it looks like that dream is dead for now. Um I don't know. Elon, what do you think about this one? Crawford and I already forget who the other one is. Carter Hart. Yeah. I go Crawford. Because Carter Hart also, uh, the Flyers are also pretty much out of playoff contention with the way the points have fallen over the last couple games. So why do you prefer Crawford? So first of all, I think that Brian Elliott could challenge yeah. more for starts rather than cam ward or it's cam ward right or cam ward was injured maybe and delia got a game i don't know either way crawford's gonna get like he just got the back-to-back he'll keep going just like grubauer and chicago still is not completely eliminated like they currently have 74 points and colorado has 80 so if chicago wins today that will bring them to 76 and they'll be four points out of that last wild card so it's going to be tough but they still are in contention so they're going to be playing hard and they have uh, i and like philly like you said is out and also philly is sort of not scoring as many goals lately and also Corey crawford has this body of work behind him like carter hart is a is rookie he's like 18 years old whatever he's got a huge career ahead of him but I'd rather stake, like, in a season where there's no guarantees and either way you're probably going to be wrong, I'd rather stake my season on Corey Crawford over Carter Hart right now. Agreed. I am with you there, mostly because of the Brian Elliott challenge, but uh, it also glosses over, like, Corey uh, Corey Crawford, not great uh, before injury, 
pretty great since then. He's got a 920 save percentage in his last 10 games, which is just a huge, huge comeback story for Corey Crawford. So good for him. It seems like the winds have started to dry up. He was on a nice little five-game winning streak. Uh, He's lost his last three. We'll see how tonight goes. But I would still prefer him uh, just as someone that I can rely on to see more pucks than Carter Hart. Here's a harder question, maybe. Who do you want next year if you're drafting Corey Crawford? Carter Hart. Oh, okay. All right. So next. <laughs> Interesting. I, I think it'll be really fun next year because also like Grubauer. How are we going to rank him in Schmorgoliesborg over the summer? So it'll be, we're going to have to really reassess how we do our Schmorgoliesborg and tier goalies since we've gotten it wrong so often lately. Uh, all right. So we've got Crawford going forward, Lewis. I mean, Ben. <laughs> Lewis is in the chat room. Hi, Lewis. Yeah. And then we have our final matchup of the first round is uh, Mike Smith versus Peter Mr. Azik. Peter Mrazek. Oh, it has to be Mrazek. Yeah. For like a combination of all the reasons we passed every other goalie through the first round, which is playing well lately, pretty good body of work through the whole season, and uh, getting the start, right? Know, There's Brian. no guarantee that Mike Smith sees any more time than Peter Mrazek. Let me give you a counterpoint. Okay. Uh, Carolina plays at Washington, then at home versus Washington, then Philly, then Pittsburgh. And Calgary plays home games against Los Angeles, Dallas, Anaheim before a road game against San Jose at the end of the week. So it's like such an easier schedule for Calgary. I feel like if you're going for wins, it's going to be really hard for Carolina to pull off like two wins this week against two games against Washington and one game against Pittsburgh. And then that Philly game. And who knows, maybe uh, they give McElhenney that Philly game because they want to save Morazic for the Pittsburgh game on Sunday. So I could see Morazic next week playing Washington, Washington, Pittsburgh versus Mike Smith playing like L.A., Dallas, Anaheim. So I'm going to go Mike Smith for next week. Oh, my God. You're, you're, you're forgetting the most important thing here, which is that he's still Mike Smith. But I'm actually glad you went Mike Smith because I'm curious to know if the chat room still features anyone in it. It's been a long, long episode. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder who wins the poll between Mike Smith and Petr Morazic. If the Elon, can you give them a chance to answer? Because currently we have no votes, but would you mind just saying again who they're playing next week? Okay, so once again, we've got Calgary playing at home, LA, Dallas, Anaheim on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then at San Jose on Sunday, while Carolina plays at Washington on Tuesday, then Washington again on Thursday, then Philly Saturday at Pittsburgh Sunday. And I'm going to posit that McElhenney gets that Philly game. So, and we have a 67% majority for Petr Mrazek. Oh, I think you guys are wrong. I think I'd rather have Mike Smith next week. Uh, so let's see how it goes. Especially, I mean, it depends what categories you're trying to fill. But Washington could blow up a team. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Well, let's move on to the final four here. And our first matchup is the very, very hot uh, performance-wise, Philip Grubauer. I don't know if he ranks hot in a regular hotness for 60 uh but <laughs> he's a he's pretty good up. looking guy is he okay yeah. good to know uh <laughs> going up against number three seed Corey crawford i mean it's not fair to compare them in hotness because crawford i think is a lot older and he's also <laughs> gone through some health issues so i don't know if that's affected his looks he's like a he's like not bad i don't think his though. health issues have affected his looks I don't know. You don't think maybe it's like when you're sick, you know, you never look so great when you're sick, but I guess now he's recovered. He's so. not sick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, if I was going to date someone, I'd rather someone with a clean, healthy track record. <laughs> uh, so Crawford versus Grubauer. Oh, you got to go Grubauer, right? Like I know that Colorado only plays twice next week, except Grubauer probably gets both of those games. They're two home games. Vegas is a tough one, but then Arizona is a gimme. 
probably, or maybe not a gimme for the win, but at least a gimme for probably like a low goals against game. And Chicago's got three games at Arizona, at San Jose, at LA. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's hard. Okay, no, I'm going to go Crawford. I changed my mind. <laughs> I'm also knows? going Crawford. I, I like three road games, although one, two of them are LA and Arizona. So that's not bad for Chicago, uh, but Crawford's just been, he's been good lately and we know he can stay good. Colorado, um, I guess they play Arizona once too. I guess, I guess I'm hoping for a third game out of Crawford. This is a really hard one. Yeah, I, you Gru- know what, Elon? I'm going to go Grubauer. I like the two home starts. Okay, so I'll, I'll go Crawford. So now we have to go to the chat room again. And let's and the see. audience agrees with Brian. Grubauer is the unanimous choice. Wow. I mean, it is fair. Like, Grubauer has just been so good for so many games in a row. And I know you're saying Crawford has been pretty solid, but hard to argue with. Like, what is it? Like, he's got, like, a bunch of shutouts recently. This is is recency bias, I think. Like, you've got Corey Crawford, who's been good on the whole, um, but, like, has faltered. And Philip Grubauer has just not shown any weakness over the last, like, four games. So good for Grubauer. I'm sure it'll all come crashing down for both of them. But I will take Grubauer starting twice at home over Crawford starting three times on the road. Yeah, uh, if your league counts shutouts, Grubauer has got four shutouts in his like since uh, February twenty third. So basically, over the last month. So you have every week a chance of a shutout if he could keep that up, which obviously he can't. But it's nice to know there's a chance. All right. Well, our other semifinal is Robin Lehner and uh, Petter Morazic. I'm going Lehner. I'm going Morazic. Even remember again. Carolina has a terrible schedule. Washington, Washington, Pittsburgh, I think are going to be the three Mrazic games. Robin Leonard, so good uh, this season. And he plays Columbus, Winnipeg, and Buffalo. Uh, all right. So go Winnipeg to the- can blow up a goalie, right? Yeah, that's and one Grant's of the games. Been good. And Lehner, like, you yeah, 917, all right. But I think the the Islanders saw, like, I don't think what we saw from Lehner earlier in the season was sustainable, nor do I think what we're seeing from Morazic lately is sustainable. But I think Carolina is the superior team. So that's actually just how I'm deciding which team I think is better. I think both guys have a chance of likely seeing two starts. In fact, I think if anybody sees three, it's Morazic next week. Hey, I mean, I took Mike Smith over Morazic next week, so obviously I'm going to take Leonard, so we'll have to go to the chat room again. And uh, the chat room agrees with Elon on this one. It's mm. uh, it's a unanimous Laner, which gives us our top two seeds, Laner and Grubauer, in the finals. Okay, so it's the two games from Grubauer, the two home games against the three games from Leonard. Uh, Sorry, both two on the road, one at home. And maybe Grice plays one of those games. Yeah, I'm going to go Laner. You're going to go Lanner? I thought yeah. for sure you'd go Grubauer. No, I'm going Lanner. This is so... Uh, I'm going Grubauer. <laughs> so let's go to the chat room again. To uh, this, decide. Is, this is demonstrative Sorry, just... of exactly how goalies have been this year, right? Like, nobody knows. We have yeah. no idea. We can't even, like, pretend to come to an agreement or back up either of our arguments with enough data to sway each other. I'll bet you if we were to redo the forward and defenseman brackets, we'd end up with the same results for the most part. Maybe one or two would be different, but I feel like most of them were pretty easy. I'll bet you if we were to redo this, like, tomorrow, tomorrow. it'll be all different <laughs> answers. <laughs> hundred percent. All right. So who's the winner of the goalie March Madness bracket? The winner of the goalie March Madness bracket is Philip with three P's Grubauer. <laughs> Boom. Grab him. He shouldn't be a free agent at this point. This guy. Grab him, hour. 
I mean, Leonard also shouldn't be a free agent. Okay, this has been so fun. I'm sorry to uh, Ben and Brian. I've kept you guys up very late. No, it's not so late where Ben is. I'm on mountain time, baby. Uh, Okay, great. Well, I had had so much fun. Brian, did this episode meet the expectations? You had no idea what was coming. Oh, I didn't even ask you at the beginning. I wanted to ask you, what did you think it was going to be? Oh, I had no idea. I just feared the worst. Okay, well, so did you have a good time? I thought it was going to be like a this is your life type episode where you just tell me about all the guys I was wrong about this season and put me on the spot about having to answer for. <laughs> we that would be such a terrible episode. <laughs> it's like people like want advice for their finals weekends and I just roast Brian. That, let's make that a summer episode though. That does sound like a good idea. So maybe the, our friends at Average Time on Ice can get to work on the Brian roast. But for now, thank you so much. First of all, Ben, for hosting the show, prepping some of the brackets. And I know you also got home help from lewis and jade uh you guys just are the best it's it's my favorite twitter account to follow at avg time on ice check it out like you should follow them and you're gonna and you could tweet at them also for fantasy advice just like us at keeping carlson we're all just chatting with each other on brian i made a good tweet today by the way i got like uh 50 likes so i was was happy about that so you could check us out at keeping carlson to see my great tweet from this morning um yeah thanks again ben this was a blast. Anything you want to, anything else you want to promote or like, this is your platform. I don't know. Do you want to say anything? Uh, no, I mean, just thank you guys for having us. We really enjoy uh, our relationship with you guys and your support. Um, we're going to, for those who participated in the bracket that Jade and I put together in the off season, we're going to be announcing a winner for that in the next couple of weeks. So maybe get a patron account and come in and find out uh, how you, like uh and maybe you can get on board with that next year um and then i do have one more bracket prepared and maybe i'll just bring that save that for the keeping carlson patron only facebook page and uh put that up to vote over there oh that'll be awesome okay so check out the patron page if you want to become a patron keeping carlson you could join for just a buck basically you just throw us anything we'll take it we're thirsty so we'll take any support you want to give us and we're going to give you full access to all of our perks throughout the summer so you join the facebook group you'll get our monthly patron cast which i think brian we're going to do the first week of april we'll get our march patron casting where we answer all your questions also our uh, show notes from every episode and we're going to post the results of these brackets in our show notes I think we'll try to work on that anyways and get that in for tonight or tomorrow. Uh, so this has been a blast. Thanks again, Ben. Uh, so it is keepingcarlson.com slash patron if you want to get in on that, by the way. Uh, so Brian, with that, why don't we cue the outro music and why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons, including our newest ones, Lori and Travis. Welcome also, uh, it's that time of year where you can send us the name of your team and whether you won or lost, and we will tribute you on the show. I started collecting them during the, tonight's episode, but I feel like uh, this one's been long enough. So we will uh, we will do a, a probably one very long tribute episode next week. Uh, what else do I want to say? Oh, yeah, this episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Evolving Hockey, Hockey Viz, Hockey Dead, Hockey Database, uh, Charting Hockey, Hockey Goalies. I'm trying to do this without my list. Oh, gosh. And all the other sites that I... Roto World and Yahoo. Yeah, I use Dauber Hockey a lot, so I use that. Uh, and Yahoo, for sure. So thanks again, everyone. Congratulations to... Can I remember now? David Krejci. Uh, was it, who was it? One of the Alex Edler. It was Edler with Theodore running up. Yeah, and, and Grubauer for winning our brackets. 
And yeah, we'll catch you all with a regular episode. I think, I don't know, maybe we'll be creative and come up with something else again. But probably a regular episode next week, Sunday, 8 p.m. You can join us always at keepingcarlson.com slash live. Until then, keep on keeping Carlson. <laughs>